again, everybody. Scott Bound and Brian Last, right along ringside and ready to go with another big day on the KFR podcast. And by golly, Brian, it is certainly going to be a Kentucky Fried Treat today for the fans as we welcome Jerry Gray, a former Memphis grappler who has emerged as one of the best storytellers in all of wrestling on your very own 605 Super Podcast. The Mothership! Oh, yeah, was that really necessary? <laughs> well, it sure as hell beats double dropkick. Or whatever hey. we did a few weeks ago. Hey, hey, not cool, man. Not cool. You know what? On, on that note, don't call me the extra crispy man anymore, all right? Well, anyway, anyway, as I was saying, yes, Scott, Jerry Gray will be joining us today on KFR to share his torrid tales from the Memphis Territory in the same honest and entertaining fashion as his memorable appearances on the 605 Super Podcast. The Mothership! See, now that's the spirit, Bowden. Jeez, I feel as cheap and dirty as a Summer Avenue hooker right after that. Funny you should say that. We'll be right back with Jerry Gray, who will share his story of an impromptu handicap bout at the Admiral Binbo between two Memphis call girls and Sabu, the wild man from Borneo, right after these messages. Binbo. <laughs> what did I say? You said bimbo. It's bimbo. At the Admiral Bimbo, not bimbo. You may want to check your sources on that. Okay. Uh, you know what? Besides, that's my line. You know the part about cutting to a break? Jesus. I can't believe this. Okay, let's just regroup here and go to a break right now. The Admiral Bimbo Inn. The local folk will walk a mile for a pint of beer and a cheerful smile. And the place they go to all the while is the Bimbo Inn. The Admiral Bimbo Inn. And the Bimbo Inn. The Admiral Bimbo Inn. If you like a date with a friendly host, try Black Hill Cove on the Devon Coast. It's the place that you will like the most. And the Bimbo Inn. With glasses raised and elbows bent The taste of rum is heaven sent When the Lord said heaven he must have met The And we are back on Kentucky Fried Wrestling. Our guest today has established himself as a main event player in the world of pro wrestling podcasting, sharing dressing room stories that have delighted and disgusted thousands and thousands of fans <laughs> around the globe. During the 80s, he worked for the top, top territory promoters ah, of the era, including Bill Watts, Eddie Graham, and yes, the original Double J, Jerry Jarrett. He also has the distinct honor of being the subject of the best-selling t-shirt on the KFR pod store at KentuckyFriedWrestling.BigCartel.com. Yes, fans, I'm talking about none other than the golden boy himself, Chick Donovan. I mean, Jerry Gray. Jerry, welcome oh, to the KFR podcast. <laughs> Wait a minute now. Jody Hamilton, the assassin, told me that he said Chick Donovan's jealous of you because you're bigger, taller, uh, got more women than him, so he's really jealous. No, I first oh. started doing that in '83. <laughs> That's what Jody so, Hamilton so, told me. So Trick Donovan so, was aware yeah. that you that you infringed on his gimmick. Oh yeah. <laughs> wow. 
Yeah, he, I think Arnold Skolin had it and somebody before him, even, you know. Well, and later on, oh, Jeff Jarrett would assume the mantle as uh, the new golden boy for a, for, for a new generation of fans. No, I'm not kidding. No, he didn't. Yes, he Please. did. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> we're, off, we're, off, we're off to a roaring start. Uh, Jerry, before, yeah. we go any further, so before we go any further, though, uh, some fans have asked about the limited edition tea available exclusively at the KFR Pod Store. Um, and it's sort of, I guess, is an extension of the great story you told on the 605 Super Podcast involving Jake Roberts have, having some uh, disillusioned idea about how to prove his loyalty to you. Uh, by drinking a huge bottle of his own urine. Um, and, of course, this horrifies the honky-tonk man. It's hard to offend Wayne Ferris uh, in any way. <laughs> uh, but, of course, and he he interjects and screams, don't drink the piss, Jake. Uh, but, of course, Jake does it anyway, and you two have been very close ever since. Uh, please tell me you have a similar embarrassing tale involving Bill Dundee to share with us today. Oh, Bill. No, wait a minute. No, Bill. I didn't drink piss for him. Either. Oh. I'm not an ass kisser, so. Um, right. No. Okay. I have nothing but good things to say about Bill Dundee. Okay. You know, he was really, really smart as far as wrestling. I mean, everybody knows that, I'm sure. But I got to be with him almost every day in the Mid-South. It was mostly me and Bill, but then Dutch would ride with us sometimes because Bill had a real small car. I can't remember what kind it was, like a. Trans Am or something like the Trans Am, but he had Superstar paint on the side of it. Yeah, I don't know if you ever saw the one. The Superstar Mobile. I don't. He still he probably <laughs> still have that back in. <laughs> I don't think he had it that many years. But anyway, yeah. Uh, so okay. he, I mean, he was. Genius. Well, tell me, a little, tell me, tell me a little bit about uh, your first run in the Memphis territory. Uh, that was in January of '84, and I believe you debuted on Monday night. Uh, on the same car, there was a re big rematch between Jerry Lawler and Nick Bockwinkle that is pretty famous because it's the one with the stipulation where uh, Lawler had to pay $500 a punch for for the bout. Uh, and in, uh, they even had a deal where for the first time ever, they had Stanley Blackburn, the figurehead president of the AWA, come in uh, at ringside to ensure that nothing, uh, that everything was on the up and up. So, uh, and I believe you debuted a teaming with Coco Ware against the A-Team. Now, do you remember, had, did you debut the Saturday before that on, on Memphis TV? Uh, what, what, the one you posted, that's a different one, right? Is that like the week later? The one no, that, that's, um, that's, that's, me and... that's, that's the first Monday night card, I believe, that you that you appeared on. Okay, because it was set on there, the Bruce Brothers versus the Bruce Brothers. Oh, was it the Bruce Brothers? Yeah, okay, that, that was, yeah. That okay. But I know I had matches before that, so I must have started like maybe TV in Nashville. I'm not sure. Okay. I know I worked with rock and roll express. I can't remember who my partner was on TV, but I okay. don't know if, who my partner was. With. So, um, I can't really remember exactly, you know, if I was, I know that wasn't my first match though, with the, uh, the Memphis one with Lawler and, uh, Nick Talkwinkle. That wasn't uh, the first night, but that was the one I, I was actually just telling you about on the, um, star Wars yeah. about the, uh, where, yeah. where I turned uh, heel on Coco. Right. So that's funny. right. Now, uh, was that supposed to lead to a program with you and Coco? Yeah, that's what I said. And then actually I seen Terry Gibbs name on there underneath, you know, the first match or whatever. And that's when I was telling you, he was already friends with somebody. I can't remember like a bunch of the guys he knew. Cause he started like a few years before I did. And he, uh, something was going on. Like I thought it was that political stuff back then. And uh, I didn't know any of those guys had been in Charlotte. So I didn't know pretty much anybody in Tennessee. And then next thing I know, they did this angle and everything. 
And then yeah. they just dropped it, and all of a sudden, then I think Terry Gibbs, they started doing it with him, kind of, and then it was weird. And then everybody was trying, or whatchamacallit, Danny Davis kept trying to send me to uh, Calgary to be the the Bruce Hart, the Bruce Hart angle with uh, saying I'm the real Bruce Hart because they said we were twins. Back oh, then. right, right, I didn't know yeah. Who. Yeah, I didn't know who he was at that time. I mean, I never even heard of Bruce Hart. I heard of Stu Hart and all that, but I didn't know who uh, Bruce Hart was. And then they almost talked me into it. And then, uh, but sometimes you never knew back then because, like, especially the the guy in the first match that's been there too long, they would always try to send you away. I found this out later, so you could, <laughs> uh, so you wouldn't take their spot. So it happened to me a lot of places. Like the the guy that you're taking his spot, he's trying to get you booked somewhere else. Oh, you do better uh, here because they yeah yeah. It's like, yeah. So, politics and then uh but so what happened was then they almost had me almost went to calgary they had me talked into even nick bach went going harley ray hall over saying you look like bruce hart exactly and then um i almost did it but then lawler told me no i'm gonna send you to mid-south because you'll make twice as much money there bill watts well yeah and and i'm curious uh was that uh, part of the uh, ongoing trade arrangement that he was that they were that the promotion was doing with Bill Watts that sent yeah uh, Bobby Bobby Eaton, so. Dennis Condry and Jim Cornette uh, yeah. collectively as the Midnight Express and uh, and yeah. Dundee and Dundee went there as a booker uh, which you know it's my understanding that not yeah. only did, did they feel like Dundee could incorporate a lot of the philosophies that had made Memphis uh, popular for so, for so long and get. Watts mm-hmm. moving away from that uh, big man philosophy, you know, that everyone yeah. had to be a like an ex-stud athlete. Um, and yeah. Uh, yeah, so so you were part of that trade deal. Yeah, and I can't remember who came in my place because I was there in uh, Louisiana with uh, Masayo Ito, but I know he came yeah. not too long yeah. after that. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if it was him. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they traded a lot of different guys, really, because there was more than just, you know, Midnight Express and uh, Terry Taylor. Oh, I yeah. Terry Taylor. Remind me to tell you a story about him, what Jimmy Hart did. Oh. So anyway. Well, wait a minute now. <laughs> okay. yeah, uh, go, go ahead. Okay. Because I, I don't want to forget. Uh, yeah. this. <laughs> okay. I go. just remembered this. I just remembered this. Uh, Terry Taylor was getting ready to go to Mid-South. So he and I worked in Louisville Gardens and he wanted to put me over. I found this out later. He wanted to put me over and he was pushed pretty good, you know, on, mm-hmm. and then, uh, he told me later in mid South when I was with him there, he said, I tried to put you over that night. They did get a Broadway instead, like a 20 minute draw or something. We had a really good match. And then he told me I was going to put you over. I kept telling him I'm going to put him over. And, and Jimmy Hart told me, no, baby, no, no, don't do that, baby. You might come back again someday. I was like, that. <laughs> so he, he told him not to do it. Cause Jimmy was kind of like, I don't know if he, he wasn't like book any book or anything at that time in 84, but Jimmy Hart was like, uh, you know, transfer and finishes when Lawler didn't come or whatever. Yeah. He told uh, Terry Taylor not to do it, not to do it. And then huh. Terry even thought that was, you know, kind of crappy. But even, yeah, so but, I guess, I, but I guess okay. Terry knew that he was also on his way out. So to, maybe to him, that seemed yeah. like the thing so, to do, so right? Jimmy like, Hart. Jimmy Hart wow. knew too. That's what wow. I'm saying. It was like, because yeah. Jimmy Hart was friends with the other guy. I told you about the, one of the spots they were going to give me. It was weird. I don't know. Because Johnny Weaver sent me there, and I guess they liked him really good from Charlotte. He, uh, I don't know who he called, Jared or Lawler, one of them, and booked me there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious. You know, I, I'm kind of, I'm a little curious how that works, uh, or how it worked back then, Jerry. Uh, like, if, uh-huh. uh, like, you're in, you're in the Carolinas and uh, Johnny Weaver has this idea to send you to, to Memphis. Jerry Lawler has this idea. Well, you'll make more money in mid South. Go there. Uh, 
now is it sort of up to you even though they're they're saying like you know i want to send you here do you just i mean did you feel like obligated to go like is that the is that was that sort of the the deal back then that uh that if the head of a terror especially somebody like in lawler's position is saying uh you know we don't really we were kind of shifting gears here we're changing up the lineup we have this deal going on with watts go there you'll make more money do you feel obligated to go or is it sort of is it up to you to make that that decision uh, oh yeah, you can do whatever you want. You don't have, you know. But I'm yeah. just saying, he, they almost had me go on to Calgary, and then yeah. uh, Lawler, probably thinking, don't do that. <laughs> and then he said, but what it was is they wanted the better spot for me, like they did that angle with me and Coco the first, you know, week I was there, and then the spot was going to be more like a first match, whatever, you know, yeah, Not, you know, like a preliminary. And he said that um, he was. I don't know if he was. Uh, he, he told me to what was he had me working with Rude then I remember, and he said. Uh, he told Rude to listen to me that I was fantastic worker and all this. And he said, uh, he said the spot right now is not, and you're going to make more money mainly, but you'll learn a lot more. I mean, he pretty much put himself bound by doing it. So he helped me the whole Yeah. He said I'd learn more there working with more instead of like first matches with, you know, underneath guys or whatever. Now, I when, did too, definitely. when, uh, when Johnny Weaver tells you, uh, Hey, you know, maybe you should, should go to Memphis. Uh, he makes this call to Jerry Jarrett. Is there any discussion with, with Jarrett? Cause Memphis is such a gimmick territory. Uh, was there any talk at all of, of what your spot might be? And if there would be any, um, alter alteration to your personality? Well, I lived with Gene Anderson at that time. Jake lived with us for like eight months and then he went, went to Atlanta to be the booker. And then I still kept living with Gene. So, and Gene and Johnny Weaver were good friends. So, but they didn't tell you back then, you know, what, you know, what kind of, it's all up to the new promotion you're going to, you know, whatever they want to use. Okay. Cause I, I was always a, I was always a heel. And then they started me off as a baby face in Memphis. I was like, Oh God, I don't want to be a baby face. I want to hang with the heel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not baby uh- face. So what, anyway, what was your, yeah. what uh, I'm sure that you had heard about the Memphis story, uh, Memphis territory uh, before, you know, you went uh, probably heard some mm-hmm. different things about the money involved. Uh, you know, for years, I think it took uh, the territory to live, kind of live down that reputation established by Nick Goulas, who was a horrible payoff guy. Jarrett was supposedly a little bit better. And when Lawler had the book, the paydays were even better than, than Jarrett. Uh, yeah. Yeah. How did you find the money in 84? Cause 84, 83 and 84, they were still doing pretty well. It was good in uh, 84, yeah, because I had heard bad stuff. But, I mean, I was, let's see, so that's 30, whatever years, 34 years ago, I was making about between six and 700 a week, I'd say, close to that. So that was good money for, you know, that territory, definitely. But yeah. when I came back is when we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. And, and, end of 85 <laughs> what was your uh we oh, talked yeah. a little bit about this on the on on the world series deal or the world series <laughs> i'm such a baseball expert no no wonder they baseball, had me on the yeah. o- on the opening day podcast <laughs> yeah oh boy anyway uh move, moving moving right along <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know either don't worry <laughs> what uh, what was your impression we talked a little bit about the memphis locker room and you know to me it was yeah. It's very high school like, but I don't really have anything else to compare it to because I only worked for for Jared Lawler for on and off for a period of three years. What were your impressions of the locker room and, and maybe the politics involved uh, with the promotion? Oh, in '84, yeah. Talk of that one first, right? Okay, yeah. Okay, I forgot about this too till the other day. I was thinking about it, and what happened was this is how they 
whoever was looking for my spot, this is how they really got it. Cause you know, Lawler didn't like any weed, nothing drinking or anything like that. Right. Jerry mm-hmm. Lawler. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know what, ta- I don't know what, yeah, I don't know what town it was in, but I must've been tagging with Coco a few other times. Cause all of a sudden me and Coco are back in a motel room somewhere. And we got a couple, uh, girl wrestling fans, groupies. And, uh, so we're <laughs> sitting there and we're, and we're passing back and forth, you know, some weed. Oh, I you and were, then all of a sudden, I the, the girls. Huh? Go, go. I thought you were well, talking about the too. girls. That too. That too. <laughs> Coco kept right. singing. <laughs> Coco kept singing. Turn out the lights. The party's over. That's all he kept singing. I was like, oh Jesus. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, the because uh, he wanted to, you know, do the other side. But we were smoking, sure. and all of a sudden, he just left his door open. I guess kind of like cracked. Lawler walks in. I didn't oh, even know no. Lawler didn't like that. That's the, yeah. He's like the. I mean, on the owners. He walks in right when it's handed to me. So um, I thought he smoked it too, maybe I didn't even know at that time what he did. He walks in, looks at us, walks in like it's his room. He acted like he walked over to the mirror and looked at himself in the mirror. And then he uh, looked at me a couple more times, walked out. He didn't say anything. And then I was just like, that's weird. It was like a setup. Like right when he walked out, you'll have the joint. He'll have the joint, you know, Jerry. So I don't know what that was all about. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. weird. It was right after that. It was like, it's almost, all of a sudden, almost, I'm leaving. <laughs> almost like a house mother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was weird. I know, but it was just weird that it's like passed to me right when he walks in. The, I mean, I made sure it was in my hand right when he walked in the door. I didn't go. Coco didn't, didn't walk you, back you for did, a little while. You didn't, offer, you didn't offer him a hit, did you? No, no. I was just because <laughs> like, I knew he was the, the boss, and I was thinking, shit. I hope he, you know, hoping he's okay. But I could tell he didn't like it the way he looked, even. So anyway, he didn't make it say anything, but he just looked kind of like he wanted to see it. I was just, that was weird. I always thought about that. What the hell was that all about? So anyway, that happened one time. But you asked me about what the locker room. Okay. Um, trying to think who else was there at that time. It was pretty much still like back in those days, you know, all the heels were together and all the babies were in a different room, except for a couple of them. We could see them like in Memphis. I think you could Memphis wasn't it where you could just walk in and see the, without the crowd seeing like, you know, have to cafe yeah, the heels and yeah. baby. So cool. I can't remember. I- Nashville was was uh, at least when I by the time I got there, oh, Nashville was geez. tricky because it was a it was a small space, and it and it there was yeah. this, this illusion that there was that there were separate rooms, but everyone was really sort of crammed back there. Together. Oh, that's what it was. They turned me. I was like a tweener. They turned me when I did that with Coco. Then I wasn't a heel or a baby. So they oh. had me in Nashville in some closet room or something because I was like <laughs> between both. You know, yeah, I was like, this is sucks. But that was like uh, by myself for a little while until I finally just turned. I guess Rude was a heel, right? So they must have yeah. kept me baby, maybe. I can't even remember. I know I worked him almost every every night almost after that when he got there. Kind of, I think kind I was of, there a little ways before. Kind of carrying huh? him a little bit probably because he was still pretty green when he uh, when he arrived. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because he was asking me on the way just like, uh, Ultimore and Sting did, you know, what, how to do this, how to do that. And then he said, uh, he was asking me if he could press me over his head. And I was like, uh, after he smacked me in the face that one day, I was like, Oh my God, wait a minute. Let's wait and slow down. <laughs> I don't want to know if I want to do that. Throw me into the front row or something. So yeah, he was, uh, he was pretty much listening to everything, but he was, uh, what, um, I don't know how many matches he had, but he was really green in mid South though. I seen tapes of him on there with the midnight express and everything. But, um, but he, he learned pretty quick, though. Yeah, they had yeah. me working with him a lot, though. I remember almost every. And then he did that, that neck breaker. He didn't know how to do it. And he banged my head on his. It was horrible. And then I always, told, I always told a lot of the guys that I trained that I showed him how to do that one where he sat down. Because that's the way I always yeah. did it, the sit-down neck breaker. The, uh, he, yeah, uh, the, the, the rude awakening type. 
deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he used to do it where he swings, and then he'd always hit my head and like knock me out on my. And then uh, I showed him do it that way instead. And then I told a bunch of guys that, and then they went and seen him somewhere at a show and said, "Jerry Gray trained you how to do that move." And he goes, "Ah, Jerry, that's my buddy." <laughs> they were like, "Oh shit!" He didn't say, "Hell no." So anyway, anyway, he uh, yeah, Rude was cool though in the locker room. Um, the funny thing too, another thing with Jimmy Hart. He, I mean, he'd come up to you and say, you're a hell of a worker, baby. Uh, just like he does, you know, you know, you met yeah. him too, right? Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. Oh, yeah. the way yeah. pretty much is the way he is. Yeah. I mean. yeah. So anyway, he goes, so he had me working with, uh, killer Carl Krupp. <laughs> so oh, he, uh, so, so I'm, I'm baby faced, you know, he goes, I know he's a shit's baby, but Lawler wants him over. You know, he's putting the heat on Lawler. Lawler wants to get him over, you know, cause they're going to work with him. But I know he's a shit's baby. Please do, do the favor for him. I was like, I don't care. <laughs> and then, uh, he, t- and then he tells Carl. You know, and to me together, he's like, Carl's a hell of a heel, you know. <laughs> Carl I was like, oh, my God. You know, he's a hell of a heel. Just put, get him over. And I was like, oh, God, this is, I can already tell. This is a bunch of, you know. Anyway, Carl Krupp, he was funny, too. I mean, he I, was like, he yeah. looked so terrorizing, but oh, he my looked, God. Yeah, he's got the great he, look, but he could, he's barely mobile at all. <laughs> I think Memphis got, he was really, of, Memphis got more out of Carl Krupp than I think any promotion. Oh, has. yeah. Oh. Yeah, he was a. He was a goofy guy. He rode with uh, me and uh, remember when Coco Samoa was Sabu the Wild Man? Yes, Sabu yes. the Wild Man. Okay, yeah, yeah. He had Coco, a man. Coco Samoa, not not the same yeah. Sabu from ECW, but uh, I guess he he came in oh, as no. Hart's mystery partner in '82, and they put him over. Almost, it was almost like they told him, "Okay, watch tapes of Jimmy Snuka." And WWE yeah, with, yeah. with the black trunks and the beard and, and the whole thing. And that's what we want when you yeah. be. And Lawler put him over so strong. But, the, you know, the guy's like, what? Five, oh, yeah. He's sort of the Dundee. Um, yeah, he was but, little, but, small. But but they, but. Yeah, they had him over. Yeah, it's what, I understand you have a good story about Sam. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so I started riding with him um, after. God, he, he was a heel, though. I must have turned heel then, yeah. So I'd ride with him and then Conga. The barbarian, what was his name there? Kong, whatever his name was, but he was barbarian later, you know. Um, the Samoan oh, barbarian, yeah. Kong, yeah, yeah. Kong. Uh, he was Tonga John, I think, before he came, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, oh my god, but I had to work with him a couple of times. Oh my god, he was the stiffest guy, one of the stiffest guys back then, you know. Oh my god, he was he was really the first break he ever got, I guess, big break, you know. So he was like a killer, but then a uh, nice guy though. I rode with him, him and uh, Coco, and then Carl Krupp rode with us one time, and he was a real goofy guy, like so. Uh, we left him at the matches somewhere, like far away. <laughs> said, Let's leave him. Let's just leave him. And then they left him. I don't know how he, whatever happened to him. But anyway, so anyway, uh, so they would always do the gimmick, uh, Sabu or Coco Samoa and uh, Barbarian said they can't we can't order the food because they know we're you know wild man crazy and everything so i have to order their food everywhere i was like this is getting old man you guys are gonna have to start talking because <laughs> i'm not gonna order your food every restaurant we go to and they can't speak english and all this oh, I'm like, oh my, my god come funny. on yeah i was like i only did it a couple of times i was like no nah, no nah, i ain't gonna keep doing this man so coco they, one night they had they had to be sort of coco. ribbing you they had to be ribbing no you they seriously you really okay all, all right, right. I think it was the biggest break both of them ever got. So they, and plus the oh, TV was so strong back, back then, you know, yeah. everybody did know who the hell everybody was. I mean, I'm telling you, they yeah. knew back then the TV, they knew who you were and everywhere you went. So anyway, we, uh, one night me and Coco in Memphis, that's Admiral Benbow, right? That uh, motel there. The infamous, the, the infamous Admiral Oh, Benbow. Jesus. So anyway, we're, we got a room together 
and he's the wild man, man. So anyway, I go down to get a couple of Cokes out of the Coke machine and a couple of uh, girls walk up to me and say, Hey, you want to have some fun? I thought they were, you know, groupies, wrestling fans. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, come on up. So then, uh, and I heard Norval Austin was a pimp too. I don't know if that's true, but a lot of guys he dressed, he was a pimp. He dressed so. like one. That's for sure. He was yeah. there at that time was too. He? So he might've sent him over there. He might've <laughs> sent him over there, but anyway, these girls go, uh, want to come on yeah we'll go on up to your room and then but they they knew wrestling too because everybody the tv you know so right when they walked in saw uh sabu the wild man they were like oh they were scared of him you know so he started doing his gimmick you know the way he acted like from the jungles and everything crazy so then uh i didn't know they still didn't know they were hookers so i'm like (laughs) normal normal arena rats you know i thought what the hell so then they go yeah it's only gonna be 50 bucks i was like what and i said and she goes, no, we, we working girls, you know, we need to make $50 each. I was like, I'm going to pay you to give me a disease. And they were like, they got so mad at me. They wanted to kill me. So I went in the bathroom and shut the door and locked it, you know, cause I figured they're going to shoot me or something. <laughs> so then he, 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 he's, <laughs> so he comes there talking carniac and they think he's like doing the Samoan jungle music. I mean, uh, language or something. He's sure, telling sure. me, no, brother, I, I, I want him, brother. I want him. I'll pay. And I was like, he said, tell him, and, you know, and tell him in English. He was talking <laughs> carny though. So they thought he was, and he was just screaming real weird and everything wild, you know, like, like a real wild man grunting and everything. So then they go. I said, okay, calm down, calm down. I told him, calm down, you got to shoot me, Jesus. So then they go, you're just prejudiced, that's what it is. And I was like, oh, my God, okay, no, I'm I'm, I'm just used to wrestling groupies, you know. So anyway, I can't get into two details on it, but the funniest part was I went, I still went back in the bathroom because I didn't want to see this, you know. (laughs) So anyway, he's uh, at the end, he screamed. I mean, like somebody stabbed him, you know, just to really do the gimmick. So this scared the hell out of them, their eyes got huge big and everything and they ran out of there it was funny as hell uh, i can't tell the real details but it was, you can yeah imagine. that's, that's plenty. at the end of the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> it's like i mean really loud i'm surprised they didn't call the police or something so anyway uh, they got so scared and ran out of there it was funny i didn't that's know that one the, of the stories with them yeah i didn't know that the wild man from borneo was such a ladies man well i don't know if they were a lady <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh. <laughs> no, 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 not that way. But anyway, now, uh, yeah, anyway. now how so, much inter- how much interaction at all did you have with with Jerry Jarrett during that first run at '84? Because I believe he had, the, the, you know, given the yeah. direction that they were going, because they were going toward they were building up the world title and bringing Bachwinkle in. That's usually a sign that Jerry Jarrett was taking over the book. Uh, so I'm just kind of what, and actually, and I believe Randy Savage had had uh, just debuted. I, I, well, I know for a fact he had. Yeah. December of 1983, because yep. I was there the night of the debut, um, and they drew like uh, I think about eight. 8,500 fans uh, with Lawler yeah. and Savage on top and Road Warriors versus Fabs on the underneath. So, yeah, that, um, God, let me think. Were you there the night that Road Warriors worked? Who did they work, Russell, when they came there? Do you remember the first well, they, time they were ever there? Uh, they worked the Fabs um, the first night. And then, okay, and, then, so. and, then they, and then they got into a program with Lawler and Idol. Oh, okay. The funny thing is, if you ever see any pictures from that night, Look at uh, Hawk's uh, boots, what color they are. So he forgot his boots. 
And then I'm the only one that had size 13 big enough to fit him. And I had gold boots, right? <laughs> so the road warrior worked. Go, he, he talked about that till, I mean, just like a year before he died, I'd hear him talk to him and he'd say, I still tell my wife, you know, she's seen a picture. She said, why you got those gold boots? He's like, that's the night. And the guy saved me, man. I had no boots. And then he always remembered that like 30 years later or whatever, 20 years later. But that was so funny. The road warrior with gold boots on didn't look right. You know, so he, what, uh, what yeah, I remember. One of the what one of the things that's interesting about the Road Warriors uh, and their Memphis uh-huh. appearance, not so much with the Fabs, because it looked like that they were yeah. as stiff and as difficult to work with with the Fabs as they were anybody <laughs> else, that they, like the stuff they were doing in Georgia. <laughs> but when they got in there with Lawler, uh-huh. I think they they uh-huh. had enough street smarts to realize this is the owner. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They, they sold yeah. more for Lawler and Idol than they probably did anybody uh, during that time period. But oh, then. Yeah. But then, uh, but they also knew that Lawler, you know, Lawler, that was the first time Lawler's done this for for a few guys since, you know, I think he did it with Kim Patera Uh afterward as well. But but Uh the first time that I ever saw him do the gimmick where he, uh, where somebody got up from the pile driver. Uh, yeah, with with, with Hawk, Hawk. And, and supposedly Hawk yeah. would ever call Lawler. He would like, man, you made us in Memphis by doing yeah. that deal. It was your finisher. Nobody, had, nobody had ever kicked out of a Lawler pile driver. I think, except maybe Bockwinkle. Uh, oh yeah, but, yeah. But uh, <laughs> but nobody, but nobody had popped up like that. Except maybe maybe Ken Patera had. But uh, oh really? So that th- so that was that. huge. Yeah. So that was huge with. Uh, but they had, oh yeah, they had a great, yeah they had a great. That was one of the better early Road Warrior programs because Hawk and Animal seemed to be on board with Lawler because he was the one calling the shots. Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, that was. Yeah, you're right. Um, and I remember the Road Warriors. I never even met them, but they must have thought I was crazy because I knew that they lived with Jake at that time after he left. You know, me and Gene. And then Jake owed me like that time, even he owed me like $400. (laughs) And then uh, I told, I told road warrior Hawk to tell him the, and they didn't even know me. So they're like, you know, I said, tell him to send the fucking wire. I'm coming to get his ass. And then they were just like, what the hell? This fucking guy talking to us like that. You know, they didn't like it at first. And I said, not to explain to him, you know, how much he owed me. And they were like, oh, okay. I'll tell him that. (laughs) But then I ended up getting, I told the story before where I called, uh, Gene called Olean. And Jake finally called me and said, take it easy, man. Jesus, I'll send it. <laughs> yeah. So isn't, isn't, that, isn't that funny how people are, you mean, they're like, okay, dude, I'll get your money. Yeah. Like, yeah, like Calm down. Oh, you want, you want <laughs> <Yeah>. it back? <laughs> yeah. I'm driving there if you don't. So one, one way or the other. So anyway, the, uh, yeah. And then other guys, uh, Savage though, at that time he was really paranoid because, you know, I guess he thought all the stuff he'd said on the ICW TV, you know, somebody was going to do something to him. So he'd walk down the, the halls, you know, the, the arena or whatever. And you can tell he was just watching his back everywhere he went. Well, I, it, but he was nice it's my, later. It's my understanding that that, that played into the decision to send Dundee to mid South because, you know, they had had that, <laughs> yeah. that, kind yeah, of that, uh-huh. that heat before. And oh, the, yeah. it was still, it was, it was not resolved and probably wasn't going to be resolved. And I know for a fact that, oh, no. that Savage had to write Lawler a letter of apology. You know? oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm saying you know, saying that look, there's not going to be a problem. I really want to work with you. Um, Jared, when Jared tells when Jared tells the story, and I, you know, Jared has nothing to gain from this. He he thought a lot of Randy, even though uh, oh, yeah. the stuff he had been saying, and yeah. you know that uh, when when Savage reached out, Jared called him back immediately and said, "Absolutely, you know, we have to do this. You've been promoting this match." Between you and Lawler for yeah. three, four years, we'd be fools not to. And he said that Savage almost broke down 
crying, you know, because it really, yeah. Well, at that point, he really didn't have anywhere to go. I think. Oh no, I know. Yeah, I think the only one who was really interested was uh, maybe the guy, uh, well, Larry. uh, I can't. I always mispronounce his last name. The guy from St. Louis who was with Sam Muchnick. Oh, Matt Matisek or something. Yeah, yeah. I he was on. He was a big fan of Savages, and I know that he brought him in. I think, and I think Savage worked a shot for Ole Mm -hmm. in '83. Uh, as part of the tag team tournament, maybe with, uh, yeah, he and Magnum TA were, were a team, uh, in the big annual oh. tag team tournament they were doing. So, but other than that, oh, I mean, well. I, Savage didn't really have a lot of options. And to me, he was, yeah. like, I was, I, I'd been watching Savage since ICW debuted in 79 on a local UFA, UHF station. And yeah. I just yeah. thought, man, he was just, he was incredible. Uh, oh, yeah. in his early days. Yeah. Wonder if um, Lawler was worried that first match they had. I always wondered I, that. Like, that, that <laughs> well, it's it's funny that, that that's why I was laughing because you said Savage was paranoid. I I without a doubt Lawler oh, had geez. to be paranoid walking in there. The oh first yeah, because yeah, because Savage could fight too. So yeah, he, uh, but he was paranoid then. But with that when I was with him in uh, WWF later. He, um, it was so weird because everybody taught all the stories of how he was with little Elizabeth, wouldn't let you come near her, and kept her in another uh trailer somewhere besides not the dressing room, you know. And so then I'm working with him, and right when I come in there, and he tells me to come on in the trailer, introduces me to Elizabeth, everything. I was like, What the hell are they talking about? I mean, she looked like smiling, like, Oh my god, I get to talk to somebody, but I mean, I, he was really nice with me, and then he said, My brother Lanny, you know, told him that. He had a lot of good matches with you. Told me how good you were, and then we went over the whole. And that trailer, we went over the whole every move in the match. I mean, everything, <laughs> even the details. Like, wow. When I come out there, I'm gonna come out there. I have my robe. I'm gonna have uh, sticks inside of it where you can point at you, like uh, like a sticks inside of the robe, so it points right at you. And then you sell it or whatever. And then blah blah. And then he's t- everything. He's talking about every detail like four or five times. I was like Jesus. And then he goes. uh, I said, give me an upside down turnbuckle. Oh, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, brother, I'll do that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So then we had a good match, but it was like every damn move. In the beginning, even, he got me in a headlock and he said, just grab my hair and show the whole <laughs> crowd. It was it was like 10,000 people, you know? Wow. It was like Fort Myers Civic Center. And then he said, show the whole crowd. You're pulling it all the way around. And when I did, and it goes, beautiful. I was like, Jesus, <laughs> this is simple shit, man. Anyway, he was funny. Did he come but up to you and nice call him? Oh, you yanked my hair. That was just, oh, that was just the best. I'd heard stories about him, you know, uh, being so particular. You know, Rick Steamboat tells the deal. He goes, yeah, you know, oh, yeah. I love the match at WrestleMania 3. I didn't like setting everything up beforehand. You know, and that's one thing with, with yeah. Flair. You know, that's what separates him from Flair, that Flair just felt confident about going out, us going out there. And just calling it as we yeah. um, was that the yeah, first but, time but, that that a, that a major star yeah. had had broken down a match like that for you? Oh yeah, we didn't even see each other usually, and then I'd just call you know long high spots. Even in Japan, I'd go there, and Akira Maeda and all the UWF guys would ask the referee to go over and get a high spot from me, and I'd tell them like the longest one I could think of, and they'd be like, "Oh shit," but they liked it. And then, uh, but you never even seen the guy usually, so you had to, you know, call pretty much everything unless you tell the referee because if it's real long, you know, then you tell the referee to tell them, and they got to keep asking you over and over over there. But then, uh, no, as far as United States, um, I don't think any, I don't remember ever something like that just a finish maybe but not like the whole match no way especially something that's pretty easy to match yeah. the one we had and then he said clothesline he said clothesline me in that wwf match he said tear my head off 
I was like, all right, you want me? And I hit him hard. I hurt my arm, I remember. But he liked it. And then uh, that elbow was stiff as hell, too, I remember. The elbow oh, the, 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 hand, the hand, oh, the savage elbow. No, or, yeah, or, the elbow uh, off uh, the top, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. The elbow uh, wasn't bad where he stands on the top rope and to the outside. That wasn't bad when I was on oh, the, the outside of the ring. The accidental that wasn't bad, thing but that the, you would do. Yeah, but the yeah. elbow off his finish was, uh, but the, because uh, the rings were hard as a rock back then, too. I'm sure you've heard it was like old boxing rings they still had in WWF back then. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> the rings were horrible, horrible and they were, rings. And they, and they were huge, too, weren't they? Oh, God. When I got I was like, what the hell? It's like, it's made for Andre, <laughs> you could tell. It's like, what the hell's going on? Damn, things look like too big, too big. Yeah. So, anyway, Savage, yeah, that's the story with him. But, um, what about what about what, what about yeah? What about Lawler? Uh, did, that first one, did you did you ever work with him? Um, during that, I know you did. I think you did the second go around, but not necessarily the first. Oh yeah, the second time I did a lot, but the first time, no, he would just say, uh, "I still got the card he gave me somewhere. It's got his picture on it with the crown and everything, his business <laughs> card." <laughs> yeah, so, but he uh, no, he would just he would just always say good stuff about me, like when he was telling me to whatever rude listen to him you know you tell whoever i was working with or whatever was something good he always said he was always nice to me but then you want to wait to get to the part with the guru when i worked with him or well i'm a little curious about uh we'll, we'll kind of get off a timeline a little bit because i did bring it up okay now lawler has, a, yeah. has somewhat of a reputation as being this great worker uh but really a master of psychology what were your thoughts on him uh once you had a chance to actually get into the ring with him Oh, uh, it was well when I was the guru, like at the end of '85. That gimmick I was doing. I remember Frank Morrell said, um, "I'm not bragging or anything." But when I walked out in the Memphis after some of the stuff with Dundee TV and everything, he said that was the best reaction he ever heard for being there that short for a heel. I was like, "Damn, Frank yeah, Morrell should know." I mean, yeah, it, but, it, was, uh, it was sort of it was sort of a gimmick that was tailor made for Memphis. Uh, so wait, so let's let's take yeah. that a, a little bit, uh, and, we'll, and then okay. we'll get back to you okay. leaving and going to Mid South because I have some questions about that because yeah. so many Memphis guys went okay. with you uh, at that time. Yeah, now, in '85, when when you go back, uh, that was a direct result of your relationship with Dundee and Dutch Mantel, correct? Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, we rode together so much, and then. I forget. Oh, they they heard uh, that that well, that thing was on TV a lot. That cult with the uh, Harajnish, the guru the guy, and uh, out in Oregon doing a lot of terrorist stuff and everything. So he had a lot of heat, and they were trying to get him out of the country. So then that's when they said, and then they knew Ed Wiskowski was already doing it out in Oregon, the gimmick. And so they said, and but the only thing was the funniest thing is they didn't understand. I don't know which one didn't understand that it's not Harry Krishna. It's a different <laughs> thing. Guru, guru, you know, gurus have a long beard and long hair, and they kept. One of them kept telling me to shave your head and have a ponytail <laughs> like the Mongol, you know? And I was like, that's not the same gimmick. And then have a tambourine and all that. I was like, okay, so uh, I'm a combination of Guru and Harry Krishna. So I did what they said, but I didn't do the shaved head thing. I was like, that, that's stupid. You know? And then, and then uh, I had a tambourine, though. And then I had I talked mostly about that Guru guy because he was on the news. Nobody cared about the Harry Krishna, you know, getting mad at them or whatever. So then I'd go around the ring and get the uh, donations I'd ask for for the tambourine and then people would throw cigarette butts in it, popcorn. I'd say, thank you is the funniest part though. So they'd like, you really get mad at me. Then they'd be like, you saw, you know, I'd say, thank you very much. Bless you. And then they'd give me cigarette, butt, popcorn and the rats would give me money though. That was a good part. Oh. The rats would put money in there. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, oh, the the, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, you're asking about Lawler then? The working with him, was that what you yeah, wanted yeah. to know? Oh, no, Dundee, Dundee. Yeah, the gimmick they came up with, but it was like, I kept telling them, but that's not Harry Krishna. You're talking about the whole totally different thing, Maharishis and everything. And they just kept saying, yeah, but do the go to the, but the library and read about Harry Krishna's. Dutch kept saying that. I remember Dutch was the one saying all that. And Dundee didn't care. He just wanted to be whatever that stuff's on the news, you know? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, the uh, so that's where it came from, pretty much riding down the road, those long trips in Louisiana. I got to yeah. about the time I almost blew up Dutch Mantel's car, though. I always forget about this. And then Dutch had this real beat-up, junky car in, in Mid-South, you know, Louisiana, on those long trips. So the time he had to drive, and then it's me, Dutch, Randy Colley, and Ron West, I think. So Dutch is... I've been driving already a lot. So then he, he's tired again, he says. So I was getting so mad because I was like, I just got done driving. I'm, okay, if I drive, I'm going to blow this thing up because it was real junky. You know? And he'd always tell you, don't go over 70. This thing's in bad condition. So I started going like 100 over whatever it would go. I was going that fast. So he kept yelling everything, slow down. So I'm smoking a joint there. He hated that too. I'm smoking a joint and going 100 miles an hour. And then the car started overheating real bad. And he's telling me, pull over, man. The smoke's coming up. So then it actually caught on fire. Uh, there was a fire, like, and he had to pour water. I'm sitting there still smoking a joint, like, and he goes, forget it. I'll just drive. I'll just drive. Forget it. He told everybody, Jerry Gray caught my car on fire and just sat there smoking a damn joint. I was like, man, could saying that's so loud. Why am I just going to hear all this? He told everybody that story. It was funny as hell. If you could have seen his face, you know, Dutch, how hyper he gets and everything. Yeah. He was so mad at me. <laughs> I didn't have to drive his car ever again, though. It, it actually worked. It actually worked after that. So anyway, the Memphis, yeah, the, uh, so I'm the guru. And then Lawler did, I think it was after I did that, his show, the Jerry Lawler show that time I was telling you about mm-hmm. on that last thing we talked on the uh, Star Wars that I was telling you about where I did the Lawler show and was saying some weird interview and Jerry Jerry afterwards was like, we're going to do that video in the uh, graveyard at night with you meditating with Dundee and Dutch and all the, I was like, okay, that's cool. And then, uh, so then we had the match Lawler against, uh, I think they called me Dundee's guru. I didn't like that. Yeah. that good. I was like, yeah. what the hell? he doesn't own me, man. It's weird. <laughs> anyway, then, uh, but it, working with him, though, I always walked around with my hands praying, you know, yeah, I've seen that yeah, interview. Yeah, he said, yeah, "Okay, yeah. I always so I, so I'd walk around like that all the time, and the people hated me." And then uh, Lawler, he was funny in the ring. I started to keep from laughing because he was like, uh, "He said, is that the way he's going to lock up?" Because he talks real loud, you know, across the whole yeah. ring, you can hear him because the people yeah. are yell- yelling so loud anyway. Yeah. And he's like, "Is that the way he's going to lock up? How's he lock up?" Because my hands were like <laughs> praying, <laughs> and I would just go right from the prayer right to the lock up, and he was laughing and like, making those noises he makes when he sees puppies, you know. Yeah, he talks all the time during, oh, during, you know, during the thing. And it's almost like he's gum. trying to crack you up. Yeah. yeah. It was so easy, though, the match. I remember it's that when you have easy matches, you don't even remember anything, really, except for, I don't know. I, I was trying to be easy with him, too, because I used to be a little hard like, to do a lot of big moves like suplexes and you know stuff that would kill him, and I didn't get to do any of my good stuff, though. I was did like, you, man, uh, do some good. Did you, ever hear, <laughs> did you ever hear Lawler give a finish? Did, yeah, did, he was did, playing did, cards when he came. Were he, were, were, is he, would he, was he doing like the fucking thing? Like he, like to me, he, he was, always, oh. he was always like, okay, here's what we're gonna fucking do here. Like boom, they boom, 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 boom. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm fucking, yep. boom, you boom, know, boom. going to town on the groove. Boom, boom, boom. Here comes fucking yep, yep. Bill Dundee. He distracts the fucking referee. Here comes fucking Dutch from the back with the fucking whip. <laughs> and it's like this yeah, whole you thing, know they like, all boom, boom, boom. Okay, yeah. 
Yeah. All the guys do that. All the good good bookers always did that. I mean, all of them. So I'm used yeah. to. I was used to hearing it, it as like normal thing. <laughs> Everybody they said more bad words than they did the you know the the finish. <laughs> yeah. Boom 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 was always that's probably this one they can't think what to do next. So they boom 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 you know <laughs> making it up right when they think. Yeah, like Eddie that's Graham that's had finishes. Oh my god. Eddie Graham had finishes like five minutes long. I'd be like, you got to be kidding me. He had to have a really good memory for that. His finishes were crazy. Watts did that too, kind of. He copied uh, Eddie Graham's stuff. And then, uh, to me, that, to me that, was sort of, that was to me that was sort of evident. Sorry to cut you, but I, I just want to say something really quick. Yeah. One, one, one different okay. that I noticed about Watts, some of the finishes with Watts, and I love Watts' TV even before Dundee got there. But yeah. uh, I mean, it definitely it definitely had more of a Memphis vibe when Dundee got there. Uh, but it was to me, it was more to do with uh, well, the the finishes I think changed a lot when they were simpler. I think when Dundee got there or when he took control of the book and yeah, also, yeah, and of course, you know, you know, the, the emphasis on uh, pushing guys like the rock and roll express, Terry Taylor, good looking, smaller baby faces, which led to the demographic yeah. sort of changing, you know, suddenly started seeing more teenagers in, in the front row and yeah. rather than that goofy guy wearing the Dr. X mask every, every single week. Oh yeah. Uh, but, Mostly girls. Too. <laughs> yeah, but to me, some, to me, some of the finishes when I'm watching some of the stuff before Dundee got there in Mid South with Watts and or with uh, JYD uh-huh. and DiBiase and the Rat Pack and all that, they almost seem like mm-hmm. the boys were struggling to remember the finishes at the end. Yeah, uh, yeah, they some of them were too too long, but um, yeah, yeah, too complicated. I mean, Eddie Graham though was the best because he, I mean, his were actually made sense and everything, and then. Some some guys just like to make a real long finish to make it look like they're genius, I guess. But anyway, what, what about later? Though he did say, "Slip over him, slip over him, somehow. <laughs> slip over him." <somehow. laughs> I wouldn't yeah. argue with him. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, what about uh, now? You, you're you're about to bring up Jerry Jarrett now. Uh, oh, okay, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. What what what? Now, yeah. was he very methodical when giving a finish or? Um, no, I was, he, I don't remember him giving any finishes. He would just come really? up with some idea, like an angles, but, um, I mean, when I was there, he didn't, the first time I was there, I don't even remember seeing Jerry Jarrett, but I remember I had to call, I went to some bank with this check and then I don't know if it, didn't he own a bank once? I didn't know that at that time, but somebody <laughs> told me he owned a bank later. But anyway, in Hendersonville, I remember because I stayed in Hendersonville right there at some motel. And then I remember Congo stayed there too, or Barbarian stayed there too. And he'd always say years later, I'd say, Jerry, my friend from Tennessee. I was like, I ain't from Tennessee. I just was working there at the same time you were. But anyway, he, he thought I was actually from. <laughs> anyway, the, um, so I was trying to cash my check from Jerry. And then I didn't have a counter, I think. And then they called him. I remember on the phone. I think that's close as I got to him the first time. I don't think he even came. I remember to the, maybe a TV he might have been. Yeah. So anyway, but the second time when I was a guru, I was in with all of them. Because, you know, like I said, Dundee and Dutch were, I was in the click with them. But the, uh, and I remember Jarrett was putting me, he was working again then too. Yeah. 80, yeah. Uh, Ian end, of, end of 85. Yeah. Yeah. I was working every, every night. I'd either work. Uh, that's why I knew he was going to put me over big because I'd work, uh, Jerry Jarrett and he'd, he'd do a job for me every night. Every time I'd work him, I'd had a lot of matches with Jarrett and then Tojo even put me over Tojo all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I liked work. I liked, I liked working with Tojo cause he, he liked to have good stiff chops like I like to do. So we'd have like a chopping contest. Yeah. You know, that, that's a, that's a, that's a pretty big deal to get a pit. I, I saw, I think it was December I know. 9th. 1985. I was going back and doing some results, and uh, man, uh-huh. Jerry, Gray, Jerry Gray pinned Tojo Yamamoto. I was like, "Well, hey, oh really? Uh, Where was that at? Do you remember? Mid South Coliseum? I don't remember. 
at South Coliseum? Oh God, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah I remember working there. I know I worked at a lot of places. I remember working him though. But he, uh, yeah, I liked working with him. And then uh, they had a gimmick where I'd take out when I was a guru. I'd take out some big steel pipe I had like in my boot or somewhere, and I'd hit him in the throat with it. I mean, it was everything was good. The gimmick, but the tambourines what I loved because I would get I'd go around the ring and everybody thought they were gonna make me mad by putting those cigarette butts and popcorn and whatever <laughs> they wanted in my, in my tambourine. But I'd say thank you to everybody. And then Wanda Cooley had a hell of an idea. One time I had some good matches with him. Yeah, he, but, uh, he was hat. he was working as Rick Casey. Rick Casey. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Rick Case. So he had that cowboy hat, though. And he seen me going around the ring and he said, next time we work, you do that. And then I'll put my cowboy hat and they'll fill yeah. it up and then we'll split it. <laughs> and then we almost did it. But I had left. That's another thing I missed out on. I'd already left by the time we got ready to work again. <laughs> that may have been so, better yeah. than your payoff that night. No, I know. I think it would have because they even gave me some money. The, you know, the girls. <laughs> The uh, girls gave me like five uh, bucks. <laughs> I don't want to get too much into this, but it you know uh, it doesn't come up too often. I guess the the infamous Memphis area arena rats. Now, it's my understanding oh, that, that Memphis was all right, but that Louisville was was the real deal. It was the real town for <laughs> some of the extracurricular activities. Uh, did you find that to be the case? What's the rating on your show? Is it like uh, uh, five or? <laughs> No. Nah. Yeah. Well, I, we don't. We don't have. We don't. We don't have any standards that I'm aware of. <laughs> Not X-ray. Okay. Anyway, the uh, I was the guru though. They were uh, kind of scared of me because I did the gimmick everywhere. Like, like Mark Lewin, I learned from him. Like, if you're gonna do oh, it, yeah. do it everywhere. Like he did in the Purple Haze. So yeah. I wore that stuff. You know, I had like a big, like a big uh, whatever it was, looked like Jesus type of stuff, the big white thing. You know, I wore that even when we'd leave the arena. I mean, Tom Pritchard and them even thought I was getting weird or something. And then uh, I would go in the store with that stuff on and everywhere. And then uh, they liked it though, Dundee and them. But then the, the fans kind of thought, the girls fans thought, you know, and I'd ask them if they believe in, you know, Rajneesh and all this. Like even nobody's even around, is that? And they look at me like, oh, <laughs> what the hell? And then, uh, but there was, after they got to see that I wasn't going to hurt them, <laughs> they were okay. The first time it was normal because I was just Golden Boy Jerry Gray. But when I was the guru, they were a little scared of me a little bit. <laughs> Some of the girls, but there were there were a lot. Actually, the the spot shows were more. I thought more girls because they didn't get to see it all the time. So it was like something big to them. I mean, like wrestlers are coming right. into town, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah celebrities. But, yeah, yeah. So I mean, but there was a bunch of them. They loved the fab so much that so we were ready to kill Steve Kerr and Stanley. And I remember because they were taking all the rest. It was like hogging them all up. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've heard it. The, the, the Fab's van is uh, is legendary, I believe. Oh yeah, that story. Yeah, <laughs> the, I heard somebody tell that story with the the van rocking. Who told that? I don't with, remember. Uh, with, the van with, with Jarrett. Christine Jarrett went out Christine. there, right? Yeah. Um, Did you tell that story? And no, I I I, I know I I know the Cor- story. Cornet, Cornet. Yeah, Cornet. Cornet told that. I just heard it. I was thinking, how the hell sold that? Yeah, that's funny as hell. But I remember, and then I, I didn't even, I don't know if you knew, but I came back the third time too, just for a oh. week or two that time with the Yankees, the Yankees in 88, the mighty Yankees, me and Bob okay. Cook. The yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I was there I that, didn't, I didn't, that time I didn't know too. That, I, didn't, I didn't know that was you. So I, I have seen you work. Cause, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, because, okay. Were well, you because, were you there in the dressing? Well, I was, the, no, not in the dressing room. I was a fan. I mean, I, oh, I was, okay. I broke oh. in. I broke in the business in '91, and I was 19. So, um, oh, okay. So, yeah. So, so when you when yeah, you came through the first time, 
Yeah, I was still, gosh, I was in junior high, I think. And uh, yeah, I, and I was there for the Lawler Bachwinkle. I thought maybe I'd seen you work on, they had a show on January 1st, 1984, which was sort of a big deal because it was a Sunday show. And they had Bachwinkle mm-hmm. uh, actually in the studio for Saturday because he made, oh. na- he, that was the only time I believe he defended the championship against Lawler in Nashville. So th- so he came in and they they did a deal where he oh. was at TV working Saturday and then uh, worked Lawler Saturday night and then worked Memphis. And they and actually it was the best Lawler-Bockwinkle match that, I, that I've yeah. seen live. And I saw their, I saw, I didn't see the first one they had, but I saw, I think it was the second one where they went 60 minutes and Lawler had just switched yeah. heels, so it was very. It was it, and it, it that was that match was just a a clinic. Lawler was in his prime, I think, in '79, and you know he had just oh, yeah. got he, so, yeah. It started to get stale in the babyface role, and they switched him on Dundee because Dundee had had they they built it all around the World Championship, which was great because you had all this stuff going yeah. on, all this talk about Bachwinkle, but really Bachwinkle only came in for a few shots, but so they were able to get mileage yeah. out of it opposed to, you know, uh, bringing in Bachwinkle all the time, you know, that's the great thing. I I think about Memphis psychology, you know, the world champion didn't appear a lot. So it was like a big deal. And and it it only made sense that there's going to be some professional jealousy if one star is getting the title match over another. Uh, And so there was always like a big program built around the arrival of the world champion. So you got a lot of mileage out of it, even though guy didn't come in that often and it almost had the atmosphere of so, a super it almost had the atmosphere of a playoff game or a super bowl you know like when the champions yeah, would oh, yeah. finally come in oh yeah and i don't know who came up with that lawler or jared all those things they would do maybe together i don't know but i know jared had a lot yeah. he was good friends with eddie graham graham too eddie graham so I don't, some people would call eddie graham you know and get ideas from even vince mcmahon's dad so who knows what they did but i know he loaned uh, Eddie Graham, a bunch of money at one time. Jerry Jarrett did when oh, Eddie really? had some something bad. Yeah, he needed money a couple of times, and then they wanted uh, Jarrett to be like a partner in the Bahamas and all that. And then he found out how they were doing their business, you know, with the taxes and stuff. He was like, he didn't want to do it after all. When he found out, he was kind of going to go to yeah. jail for something they were doing. Yeah, just so anyway, Jared, the, uh, Jared, Jared, I mean, what what was your? I guess what was the? Because uh, I I never heard that story about Jarrett loaning Graham money. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, obviously, yeah. Jarrett's a pretty sharp guy, I think. I mean, I, oh, yeah. he's, he's got sort of a bad rap. I mean, what was his reputation back then among the boys? And and, and what did you hear in the locker room, maybe in Florida, when you were working with Eddie Graham about Jarrett? Anything? Uh, it depends on who you talk, because the, the boys always hated the promoters, you know, but I wanted to be a promoter <laughs> right when I first started. Even I was like, I know they're they're making all the money. I want to be you know, a promoter or booker or something someday. And then... Uh, so then I would just, I wanted to hear how, what they were doing because everybody else would be complaining about them, but I would just sit there and listen to what they're doing exactly and all their ideas. I didn't care about getting mad at them or whatever. But Jarrett had respect with like whoever, you know, guys like that, big big guys like Eddie Graham, the Bookers, people like that. But the wrestlers always complained about everything, you know, but I wasn't in it for the money. I just loved the business. Like if you you found that out, all the stories I've been talking about yeah. in all these episodes, but uh, I mean, I wasn't like thinking, I didn't even know when I was younger, I didn't even know that they got paid or not. I was like, I didn't, I don't even care about the money, you know, actually. So, uh, it wasn't no big thing to me. I just wanted to learn everything. That was a good people to learn from the ones that, you know, that I rode with. So they were all been around Jared a lot, you know, Dundee, Dutch, all the people like really smart guys like Kevin Sullivan, all the people. I mean, I rode with so many people, Gary Hart, 
So that's where I learned from just listening to all the way they would, you know, their ideas. Mark Lewin was actually, yeah, he was I, a, heard, a booker, I heard that too. Booker. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I rode with the guys and I would just listen instead of complaining or whatever I wanted to hear. So yeah, Jarrett had, as far as like with other promoters, I know he was respected. So, but he, um, yeah, that one January 1st show, he said it was in Memphis. That was a week before Coco and I, but, um, Coco, some, or Coco, uh, beware. And I tagged, was mm-hmm. I, did you have a card from that? Do you have a card? Uh, or I do. I do actually. Let me, uh, let me pull it out. Cause okay. I, cause I thought, I thought maybe you were on that show and then I, I double checked yeah, it and you I weren't. Was. Oh, okay. Uh, so I wasn't on it. Yeah. I think yeah, I you can't le- remember exactly. I, and I think, actually, I think you were there for the fabulous ones uh, last bout before they took off to go work for Vern and, and some other promoters around the, around the country. And they brought in the new fabulous ones, Tommy Rich and Eddie Gilbert. I believe that's about when you finished up. Um, yeah. Cause I I'm didn't just, see uh, Eddie there. I met Eddie later in mid South, but um, I know I was there the night the road warriors worked somebody. Cause uh, that's why I said he borrowed my boots, road warrior hawk to my gold see. boots. Um, might've been when they worked the fabulous ones. Not sure. Actually, actually, I think it may have been January 31st. There was a uh, tag team tournament for the Southern titles. I thought you had teamed with Rube, Rude that Rube, uh, Rude that night against the Fabs, <laughs> yeah. but it, this is saying Rude and Terry Gibbs. I so. uh, yeah, that's why I took my spot, Terry Gibbs. <laughs> okay. I'm telling you. I, I might have to go with him somewhere, but I mostly worked. Oh, you know what? I you, you, you worked. Uh, Oh, wait a minute. February 6th, Lawler and Idol versus the Road Warriors. Fabulous Ones versus the Rock and Roll That's Express. Fun. That was the Fab's last uh, <laughs> gasp before they left. And I'm not on that one? Or? Not, I don't see you listed, but I don't have the results. I just, have the, I, just, I just have the published card. Yeah, because I have actually have a booking sheet the way they did it back then. It was just like, I think it was either Jerry Jarrett's. Or, does Lawler have sloppy handwriting? Because yeah. I have a booking sheet. Well, uh, no, Lawler's got Lawler's got that flop. comic book t- type lettering. Oh well, that, that must be Jared. Somebody did because I have it. Actually, it's like I don't know if it's a photocopy or something, but it tells like the towns and the you know it's not even typed. It's like uh, written. It tells like Evansville and it has your name there, like Gray Rude and all these. You know, I have like it's like a week's worth of bookings, but I don't know. I don't have the I don't have it with me right now. But I, it has the dates on there exactly which towns and. Mostly it says rude and gray every night. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I have have a listing for you for on January 24th uh, working with Rude, which may have been, God, that may have been his, yeah, that was his debut. Is that Memphis? Yeah. Or? Yeah, that was Memphis. I really don't even even remember working in there. And it's it's funny. I I saw, I went back and watched Rude's debut because it sort of came up during the uh, opening day discussion. You know, yeah. back at Watts' TV around that time, there were so many guys who were sort of on the cusp of breaking through. And then, yeah. but it seemed, it seemed like Memphis did a great job of taking that talent to the next level. Because I mean, by the time Rude left, he was a main event player. I mean, they were drawing, the, the cage matches with Lawler, the business was always stronger over the summer. Oh, yeah. But man, they were drawing. Yeah, they did, they, they, yeah, they nearly sold out the building for, for some of the Lawler-Rude matches on consecutive money. Yeah. I mean, that, it's pretty impressive to draw those, a thousand people uh, over a period. Do of those tapes? Yeah, yeah. Do those tapes exist? Because I see on YouTube there's some, but I only see like him with, doing an angle with Lawler. I mean, uh, with Idol, Austin Idol, no, no, and there, all that. There's, there's some Lawler Rude. roots out there. Yeah, 
Yeah. Oh, so you know, rude. Uh, the funniest thing. I, I actually, when I got ready to go to Mid South, I think it was the last day, maybe or one of the last days that I was in Memphis. I worked uh, put rude over on TV. Even that's when he gave me the neck breaker. Okay. That new way. I told. I showed him. <laughs> so well, anyway, that's maybe well, rude, somewhere. Rude, I don't know. Rude, but you know, rude was uh, Gus. You know, still like like we said earlier, still really green. Uh, comes in with heart. They mm-hmm. t- Completely repackaging uh, has ravishing Rick Rude, and they haven't. You know, I guess they just got uh, a tuxedo jacket for him to wear, and they put him in, I think, parachute pants and gold boots, uh, silver <laughs> silver boots, uh, and yeah. goes through, and he starts dancing, like not not the not the swivel, like he would he like not, he, oh know, not, not the cool no, <laughs> no no he's trying to do like uh, the cabbage patch I think or something, and oh, it was Jesus. oh no. god he looks so he looks like the biggest stiff goof in the world. Oh you know, that, god! I think I think they I yeah. think they quickly dropped that, you know. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, yeah and he was running. Around, he was, and he had Angel, who was his valet, and I believe that was his real life. You know, thought, yeah, I was just going to tell you that he he lived in some. Some one of the listeners wrote and said, "I think you stayed in the uh, some motel." I told him about the dumpy motel, you know, on that last podcast, and then somebody wrote and said it was probably the downtowner or something. I said, "I have no idea what the hell the name of it was." So I'm staying, and this coincidence, rude. All of a sudden, uh, I come out of my room or whatever, and. And he walks, I didn't know who he was even. And he said, you one of the guys, wrestlers? And I said, yeah. He goes, oh, man, I live right in two doors down here. And we, so we started riding together. He goes, you got you smoke, man? And then we started. And I was like, yeah, yeah. He goes, man, cool. And then so I'd ride with him. And he'd have that angel, you know. And she was hot, you know. And then but he was so cool. He'd just sit there after the show. And he'd point to his back for her to massage it. He wouldn't even say, can you rub my back? Wow. <laughs> he'd just go, he'd point like like to his shoulders like and she'd do it i was like man this guy's cool but the yeah funny, though, but her yeah uh, <laughs> it was funny it was funny it was like she wouldn't know she wouldn't know you know you know you'd think the girl looked like whatever but she was like that good looking and doing whatever he said yeah i'm gonna try that with my wife see where that gets me yeah right uh, so anyway he <laughs> so that's funny the the uh and then i but anyway, i was the guru i'm trying to think who else i worked um tracy smothers i don't know if yeah. he just started or whatever but yeah but we had uh, i'd you, work you him they him. put me over a lot yeah. of guys yeah you've yeah, been everywhere uh, like, uh, everybody yeah, fresh off the, <laughs> remember yeah, fresh off the to- yeah. fresh off the tojo tojo that was a you know uh, d- now d- oh, yeah. were you he aware was. of tojo and the and the legendary oh, status yeah. that he had in Memphis? okay all right yeah because i was i mean a fan since i was i mean seven years old i mean i read every magazine everything that ever happened i mean i knew everybody in every territory who they were and everything yeah i knew who he was i know how big he was yep oh yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, the Jer- before you got really going with the gimmick, because it was a it, like mm-hmm. like we like we said, I mean, it, that is a gimmick that is tailor made for the Memphis territory. Yeah, and yeah, you know, yeah. and then you get the the inherent heat that's going to just be in, associated with Dundee and Mantell. Um, yeah. and then you know that yeah. the, the, the they started building toward that deal where Lawler left, lost the loser leave town, uh, went to Florida mm-hmm. or went to Hawaii rather, and then came back, and they had you know drew the last sellout at the Coliseum. And by that time, uh, nature boy, Buddy Landell had come in and almost like he got yeah. your spot. So who knows? He did, maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. you would have been a part of all that, but, uh, yeah, that, but there was a problem with the payoffs, right? Like the, just, yeah. I mean, I would no, Cause I, I mean, I, I stayed with Tony Falk together and we split everything and then the motel and everything. And then, 
I remember he called me when I just went back to Florida and, and said that, uh, that Dundee just was going to have me on TV doing a thing with uh, Coco Beware and Angle having uh, some kind of doll of Coco and stabbing it and <laughs> some kind of weird, I don't know what the hell they were doing, but anyway. Almost like a Papa Shango uh, type, type deal, voodoo thing. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. before that. I mean, Dutch Mattel, I talked to him like 10, 15 years ago, whenever it was, and he, he, he pinched, pitched that idea to Vince, even Vince McMahon, that, uh, that guru type gimmick. And uh, I don't know what year it was, probably early 90s. And Vince said, no, that's too strong. That's too strong. Oh, really? That's before he that's before he started doing all the weird, you know, the crazy and all that he would have done then, definitely. But Dutch said he pitched it to Vince when but Dutch was in the I guess the office there or something. I don't know what he was doing. You know, he told you me know, that though once and then go ahead. Oh, really? I just thought of something. When when the WWF uh-huh. guys started coming in after they had reached an agreement with Jarrett, Memphis sort of became, uh, oh yeah, I guess yeah. like a farm yeah. a farm type system. Um, yeah, they you know they sent Savage, Rude, uh, not not Rude, uh, Savage, Perfect, uh, a few other guys, right, who had had past mm-hmm. feuds with Lawler, and the crowds went up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they were drawing about fifteen hundred or eighteen hundred on their own, and the crowds went up to about three thousand. Kevin Lawler yeah. is taught, you know, he, Kevin Lawler was more up to date with probably what WWF was doing than, than maybe even Jared or Lawler, Jerry Lawler, because yeah. he watched, he was, he watched it all the time. It was a huge mark for WWF and the way they presented uh-huh. characters. And Kevin was, was, was uh-huh. just brilliant. He had his dad, his dad's artistic work and he would come up with all these great characters. He created the uh, Christmas huh. creature for Kane. Uh, when Kane made his oh, debut geez. in Memphis, yeah, but, yeah, well, yeah which is not a not a great <laughs> example of Kevin's creativity, but uh, but at any yeah. rate, but he suggested to Jerry yeah. Jarrett. He goes, he goes, you know what? You should bring in Papa Shango because that's a, that's a gimmick that's more tailored for the oh, yeah, and and they brought him in to and they put the belt on and the the crowd went up to I think four thousand or five thousand. Uh, wow. Out of all the WWF guys they were bringing in, that was the one that got the biggest. Just for that. Yeah, because yeah. that because that gimmick was so like the traditional Memphis style, and so yeah, you, know, you were clearly on to something. Oh yeah, uh, but but yeah, but you ended up I guess the money, getting the, yeah. you ended up getting the better end of the deal on on Jerry Jarrett and a deal, which is very rare. Because <laughs> did he send you a check yeah. for like a thousand dollars or fifteen hundred? To yeah, to, it was really yeah. really good. Yeah, it was really good because. Uh, yeah, I, I was just like, I'm not going back. There's no way because the whole time I was there, I never made more than in Watts. I was making over a thousand a week, you know. And then when I, I they talked me into going there, and then it was like I distrusted them because I figured, you know, they're going to pay me good if it's going to be a good spot like that. And then, and then it was like uh, I can't even remember the payoff, but it was like like it went down every week another hundred or whatever. It was like started with four hundred, and then three hundred, then. And the last one, I was like, that's what got me. It was like $199. They couldn't even make it 200 And I was like, for a week, you got to be kidding me. And then I just, I really got mad that night. And I was like, no. So then uh, they all were calling me. They were having Tony Falk call me mostly. And then uh, down here, and then he said that uh, they want you back, man. I was like, yeah. I forget how I told Jarrett if he could send me my check because I knew I wasn't going to get that last check even, you know. So then for some reason, I don't know how I even told him. But anyway, he sent me the last one. It was like, should have been what I got for the whole time I was there, pretty much what he sent. I don't remember wow. how much it was. I know it was a lot. Yeah. And I almost thought about the night. But then I had a good spot here already in Florida. And I'd always wanted to, you know, work here for the push and everything. So they started. But I was lucky because then I got to go to Japan and everything from down here. So so anyway, yeah, I would like to done it longer, though. The gimmick. I remember Flair even came in for that um, 
what was that yeah. thing they did there? A bash? Yeah, yeah, they but did he, a, yeah, a joint card with uh, with Crockett. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I knew uh, Flair good from up in Charlotte and everything. He was good friends with Gene, so I got in good with him. And then he didn't even know it was me at first. And then he was like, "Oh my god!" He liked. It. I figured he wouldn't like it. I was kind of embarrassed. Like, "Oh my god, he's gonna hate this gimmicky <laughs> weird gimmick I'm doing." Because he liked the Golden Boy thing. He was always saying, "Yeah, that's like my gimmick. Wear good robes and all that. Yeah, strut." And then up in Charlotte, you know. But then he seen that and he's like, "Yeah, they do some good gimmicks here, man." He started liking. It. I was like, "What the hell? Okay, he does like it." <laughs> Cornette knew me right when he seen me, though. Cornette, I told you about that story where he told me to roll my eyes back in my head. Yeah, yeah, and, then, and, uh, and creep out Bobby, Bobby, Bobby Eaton, right? Bobby. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he almost threw up from that. I was like, <laughs> anyway, yeah, he almost did. And then, uh, yeah, Cornet, he knew who it was. I guess he had been recording it probably from why he knew it was going on in Memphis, nowhere where he was, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, but, and, uh, and when, when you go. went to Mid South, uh, in 84, after working uh-huh. in Memphis for, for, I guess, maybe about a month, yeah. and you went there. Uh-huh. Uh, so you were able to see firsthand some of Dundee's handiwork and bringing in the Midnight Express and, and that kind of, uh, can you do you remember at all like uh, observing like how the crowd would maybe change and and you know the demographic would change and suddenly more young people were coming to the matches for the Rock and Roll Express and Terry oh, Taylor geez, and looking, yeah yeah it, mainly the Rock and Roll Express because I remember it was like I mean it was like a rock concert it was like rock stars because they were giving them roses and screaming when they would walk even to the you know where they would be hanging off the rafters or whatever everywhere the girls would be screaming and trying to get to them and giving them roses throwing them to them and everything i mean it was like i see it myself it was like i didn't see what it was like before that though because i came in right right when they were all you know getting over they got over quick because those videos yeah, yeah. it happened in, it, it happened fast didn't it yeah so yeah because I, I know how over they were because one time i was just making a call i'm talking about like 10 years ago i was trying to get uh, talking to the operator from somewhere you know trying to get 411 on somebody and she something about wrestling I, I, I was looking for a wrestling something probably the name had to do something with wrestling and she goes oh my god i'm from somewhere in louisiana and i remember and this is i mean i'm talking about like 10 years ago she said i remember waiting and we camped out all night to go see the rock and roll express this <laughs> operator's telling me i was like you gotta be kidding me operator even <laughs> from you know years later i mean so uh, they were over definitely rock and roll was the main thing and that oh, wow. cornet had so much heat oh my god the heat he yeah. had yeah but but yeah it was i was actually in mid-south two different times because i went to oregon for over a year and then i called uh i was like i'm like i'll stay here forever don owens didn't want me to leave from oregon you know he i was like man i gotta go because this is getting you know old the same guy i'm working over and over. i want to learn you know more and have some good matches and then i called dundee and he said yeah you uh you start Blah, 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 whatever day, taking Tom Pritchard's spot. And me and him, Tom and I had just been partners in, in uh, Oregon. And I was like, oh my God, don't tell me that. I'm taking a spot, Jesus. <laughs> but then I went to back to Mid South again. And that's when Slater took over, I okay. guess. What the, no, that's when, that's before I went to be the guru. That's right. Yeah, because Dundee stayed. How the hell did I end up working for Slater there? Okay, I guess Dundee had already left back to Memphis. And I ended up working for Slater for a while, too. When yeah, he was Dun- in the booking in Mid-South, and then think, Dundee think, had me come up as the crew. Yeah, yeah. I, think Dun- I think Dundee came back to Memphis, right? I, it is funny, First, like, yeah. right, at, right after, like, not long after Savage lo- lost the Loser Leaf Town oh. match and went to WWF. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember Tony Falk told me, too, that Dundee, or somebody told me that Dundee said on TV that the guru had to go back and help his father 
because they just uh, <laughs> said that, made that guy leave the country. You know, the, the, uh, the Rajneesh, they, they just made him leave the country and all this. And he said something about that. But he had to go back and help his father. Send me money and we'll bring the guru back. Somebody told me that just lately, that that's what he was saying on TV. If you send money, the donations to whatever, I think he gave the address and said, I'll bring the guru back with the donations. Somebody told me that. I didn't even know he did that. I didn't know he did that on TV. So anyway, yeah, that's pretty funny. Any, anything to so make yeah, a I buck. Like, yeah. yeah, really. But I remember working like uh, Rick Casey, Wendell Cooley a lot, Tracy Smothers, all them guys. Who else was uh, Oh, the Ultimate Warrior and Sting. Yeah. They they, yeah. Uh, they, they, uh, they, they debuted as the freedom, the, the freedom Fighters. Oh, uh, God, yeah. Man, oh, man. I, I, I liked Ultimate War, but Sting, I didn't like him at all. We would ride. Actually, I don't know how we ended up riding with him. Tony Falcon, I would ride with uh, them too. And then I told you know, last week, whenever it was, we was talking that, uh, you know, the the whole time Hellwig, Ultimate War was wanting to learn everything. And Sting, didn't, he actually, he hated it. I mean, he yeah. didn't want to be there. Which is sort of the opposite of what you usually hear because everyone says I know. in South that Sting was the one who was wow. working hard and trying to learn and, and that Hellwig was just, you know, sort of lackadaisical, but who I, you know, I, I wasn't know. there, so I don't know. I wasn't in mid South with him, but I'm telling you that he didn't even talk to Hellwig Harley. He just actually, he hated to even be there. Wow. And then me and Hell would be talking, talking and partying the whole way. And then, um, whatchamacallit, uh, I remember cause Eddie Stingo was Eddie Gilbert. Yeah. Was the reason he, and then Flair and all of them for making him look so good because, I mean, I was never impressed with him. Flair, somebody would even say, J.J. Dillon would say he'd have to yell at Sting to pound his chest. Flair would yell, yeah. hear, scream, yell. He had to tell yeah. about everything. He you didn't could, want to do it. You, you could see him. Flair in some of those early bouts, especially that one where he carried him to that miraculous yeah. the draw on the Clash of Champions, oh, where, where, where Flair is like telling him to flex. You know, and do, yeah. do his, you know, do his deal, it's and you like, know, it, yeah, I, it's really. I mean, talk uh, about I don't it. Like that. Talk about a job carrying somebody. To me, though, that's sort of the difference. Uh, it seems like with a guy who was mm-hmm. in the business, who got into the business because he wanted to make money, not necessarily because he was a fan. You know, t- <laughs> I, I always liked the boys who grew up watching it and loved watching tapes, yeah. and loved watching the old stuff, and it sounds like you were that that kind of guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because they're better workers, too. This is the other guys, like Luger and Sting, both. They didn't even want people to recognize him. Luger was so embarrassed that people would know who he was on airplanes and stuff. Wow. Instead of being proud, you know? He said, no, that's not me, no. Luger, and both of them were like that, I heard, too. Sting, too. <laughs> was he wearing, was yeah, Luger, he like, wearing a, wearing a mustache on, on flights or something? No, he just didn't want to, nobody, <laughs> I mean, he didn't want to ask, nobody ask any questions. And then Rick Steiner doesn't like it, either. I remember because I was good friends with him. I used him on a lot of my shows I had, and then I didn't realize how he really didn't even like it at all. He didn't know anything about anything of the past, you know? And he's huh. like, nah, man, I didn't. He said somebody came up to him at an amateur thing, George Steele, yeah. I think, or somebody, and got him in. And then he just, like, he don't even like it. He didn't like anything to do with it. And then uh, you know, people like that, though, it's just like, I don't know, I got nothing to talk to you about <laughs> if, you're, if you don't like the business. Well, Make all the you know, money. Jesus. Well, you know, Luger... Uh, Actually lived in Memphis for for about a year as one yeah, of the Memphis showboats, right, you know, as Larry Fulton. Yeah. And and somebody in WCW or maybe it was Florida or maybe by the time he got to WCW, somebody asked him, "Oh, well, you played in you know what, what was the band? 
what, did you ever go to the matches there? Because uh, Memphis was a hot territory while he when he was playing football there, and he was like, "No, I never watched." Yeah. It. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. Like it's he horrible. Just, he didn't yeah, know who Luthez was, and they all ribbed him about that. He didn't know who Luthez was. I mean, at least know some Baltic even knew who Ric Flair was even at that time when Flair was hot. <laughs> and then because uh, I remember Luger, I, I'm still mad at him for what he did to one of my shows back in I think 2000, whatever it was, and. 2000 i had a big show in ohio huh what now i I was hoping you were going to tell the story go ahead oh yeah i am he i had a show booked with uh it was loaded like a canton civic center in ohio because i already had some shows there before had a couple thousand or whatever and then i had luger against god who was it steiner was there luger buff bagwell billy gunn it was like a loaded show and then luger was the main thing i advertised though Luger because he didn't do independence hardly ever. So Buff got him to do it, even though he knew me already. But Luger was being a prima donna as usual. So he got money up front, I remember, and then uh, did a big article interview for the top front page of the newspaper, all this stuff. And then, and then all of a sudden, Buff gets there and says, uh, Lex isn't here. I went to his house and everything. He went and answered the door. I almost missed my flight. And I was like, You got to be kidding me. So then I called him probably a hundred times, never answered his phone, nothing. I never, and then it was just like going on and on. I was like, I want the money back, man. Give me whatever I sent him, you know? So yeah. then uh, it just went on and on for a while. And then finally, he must have needed work when he started going downhill, you know? He said, uh, I'll come work your show free for doing that or whatever. Somehow I got talked him into doing it. So he came uh, He I didn't know what condition he was in. This is like 2005 or six or something. But he couldn't even, his hip was so bad, he couldn't even walk. So he said, he gets there and tells me, he gets there and tells me that he, uh, no, I was just going to do autographs. I said, you told me you're going to work the show. I had him against Jim Duggan. I was like, oh my God, that's the worst match in history. I remember <laughs> Dave Meltzer putting the newsletter. <laughs> Dave Meltzer put in the newsletter. It was like a real, real big crowd. It was a real big crowd. He put, he put, he put me over for that. You know, like one of the biggest independent crowds in Texas. It was in Texas. And then it was like, I forget how many people in a good crowd though. And then it was, and then one of the worst matches ever, uh, Jim Duggan chased Luger, tried to, and Luger limped away at a count out in like the one minute match. <laughs> it was like a count out of the ring. I was like, oh my God, that's embarrassing. Uh, and then he, uh, that's how bad he was doing. He was a millionaire. And then he said, I said, yeah. He goes, Jerry, I need to, I got his flight. It's the only thing I had to pay for it because he owed me for the show, you know, it didn't show up. And he goes, uh, Jerry, I need $36 to fly. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Wow, $36. Was he, was he broke? What a, no, he said the flight was three hundred. Whatever he had, what something he said he had to pay thirty six more dollars than what it was. I was like, uh, "Are you kidding me?" After you ruined my show, ruined my show in Ohio, didn't show up, didn't do anything, and makes me look like I'm the one of false advertising. You know, I was like, "You're lucky I even let you do lose." And then he wanted me to be his booker, book him everywhere because he said Buff keeps lying. He put all the heat on Buff and said Buff lied. I was there waiting, and Buff didn't pick me up for your show. You know, to go to the airport. He said, so you could be my book. You want to book me? And I was like, yeah, give me a bad reputation. I got to show up and make it look like I'm the one. So anyway, that's pretty funny. It's about him. But Luke, uh, Sting and Ultimate Warrior, though, yeah, they, oh, man, it was so weird how, I don't know what happened, but they were about even then as far as who could work better. Yeah, they, <laughs> Memphis. They, well, Memphis, Memphis had put a lot of guys who weren't ready on TV for sure. But, man, they had, yeah. to, be the, they had to be the worst. I mean, I. 
Yeah. So bad. Sure. And and they, they even hit, tried to hide them with, in eight-man tags, I think, with the Fantastics. Yeah. Where the Fantastics yeah, could, would, would cut the promos and, and work, you know, virtually the entire match. And I remember, <laughs> like, Bobby, you know, and Bobby Fulton and, and uh, Tommy Rogers both were, were decent on the mic. And... So they're cutting these promos, and, and, and I just I went back and watched this not too long ago. And and Steve Borden Sting is is looking over oh. at uh, Bobby Fulton cutting a promo like in <laughs> awe, like how do you do that? Like yeah, what, yeah. you know, man, put all those sentences together with personality and conviction. How I do know. you believe in this horseshit? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, they, yeah, oh god, yeah, just just seemed completely clueless. Oh. I, I thought, man, these guys—they have the look. These—they're they're, going to be the exception to the rule. They're going to be the ones who come through Memphis, and, <laughs> and really, you know, they did leave with the gimmick that put them on the road to both, you know, uh, Ultimate Warrior what and Sting. Because Lawler, Lawler switched them. You know, Lawler was a big science fiction uh, pop culture guy, so he switched them to the Blade Runners. Oh, and, okay, yeah. And so that's what you know they were. Yeah. At least they at least they had like the the I guess the prototype for what they yeah. become by the time they left. They still couldn't did, work worth a damn, but they at least no. had something something going. I do remember one time in Evansville when, when I saw something come out of Sting. He, he came out and remember how Ed, Evans? You been to Evansville? You know what? That was the, the one uh, town that I, stage I or something that I never stage. went. Yeah. I think it was a stage, and then he came out on the stage though before the match and did kind of like that yell a little bit like he did later and then i was thinking well maybe he's getting a little charisma finally that's the only thing i ever seen him do that looked like he was into it at all but then uh, i remember i seen him like after eddie got him you know and pushed him and everything and showed him all much stuff in mid-south you know they came to florida and took over um when uh crockett took over mid-south and florida back in 80 whatever it was 87 yeah so eddie comes i knew eddie good and he comes there and we're laughing and everything and then sting sitting there that's what a jerk he was i mean i was teaching them a lot and stuff when they were, I was riding with them in Hellwick and I said, uh, Jerry Gray goes, I know who you are. Like a smart ass. I was like, fucking beast. And then wow. Hellwig's totally opposite. When I met, when I seen Hellwig, even after he was big and ultimate warrior and all this in WWE, right. When he seen me, he goes, Jerry, how you doing, man? He said, uh, he said, Sting's doing horrible. He's only making, he only made 600 bucks. Then, uh, Forker for Croc. That's when it was really done. It's ass. The Cornette talks about that horrible payoff he got for, Whatever that show, big show was, it was terrible payoff. I remember, whatever year it was, eighty-seven or eighty-eight, and he, he yeah. said, "Hell, yeah. said there, that the things right going terrible." Right? Was that right after the sale <laughs> to Turner? It must have been because I yeah. don't know exactly when it was, but I remember Baltimore telling me that things not doing good at all, and he was so happy he's getting such a big push and everything. But he was nice to me. I mean, and people always say what a you know jerk he was. Sting was one had an attitude. Huh. Anyway, yeah, the. Uh, Sing, said that sing, to me. I know sing, who you are. <laughs> sing, sing never seemed comfortable to me. You know, no, uh, shy. Yeah, just uh, you know, and I, and I, yeah. I, uh, I watched that little documentary that WWE went uh, produced when he finally you know did the WrestleMania match, and he said that he oh, was yeah. watching John Cena and like, man, I, you know, I was almost nervous for Cena when he was about to go out. Just because he, you know, all, he's carrying the promotion, all, you know, he's the big star. And he goes, and he just, man, he just was so calm. He goes, I was never that way. And I'm like, that doesn't surprise me because to me, he just never seemed no. like he was, a, he was a fan of the business. I think you do get to that period no. where you do get, com- you know, when I went out there with and cut a deal with Lance, 
you know, uh, I, I felt mm-hmm. completely comfortable because I'd been watching it for so long and I'd, I'd practiced, you know, that, yeah, that yeah. scenario my, my entire life, you know, yeah. being interviewed. I always <laughs> pretended I was being interviewed by Lance. So to me, like, oh, we, yeah, yeah. to me, there's a difference. You could just see something in a guys who were, who were fans of it and wanted to get in because they loved it. Oh, and also to make money, but that wasn't the main reason. Oh yeah. yeah. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. First interview I ever did was, uh, I think I was in Oregon and I, uh, I was trying to talk like Austin Idol, but I was like, <laughs> and I was well, like, hey. more like Sylvester Stallone. I said, I mean, I sounded like Sylvester Stallone <laughs> though. I was like, I didn't do it exactly right. And then I remember they were all telling me in the dress room, uh, Stan Stasiak and Rip Oliver. And they were like, talk like you normally do. You sound like Rocky. And I was like, Oh, Rocky. I'm trying to act like somebody else. <laughs> I just started talking normal to who they were like, man, don't talk like that. You sound good when you're just normal voice. Don't do all that. Whatever you're trying to do. Rocky. And I was like, okay, I'll change my and normal what voice. Did, what, did, what, did, what, what had been your exposure to Austin Idol at that point? What, were you, did you see a lot of his stuff when he was in Georgia or was it the Memphis? Yeah. Stuff? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, Georgia, uh, Superstation, whatever it was when he first got there. What was it, 79 or eight, yeah, all the other yeah, 80 or yeah. 79? Yeah. There. Yeah, right there. And and then, uh, yeah, that was where I – and then I ended up meeting him because, actually, I met Lance first in um, Ohio in 82 when he went up there. to do, They had a TV show up there, Louis Tillette and uh, Buddy Fuller. Okay, And yeah. when they tried to run Ohio, yeah, Lance was the – he was around us every day. That's right. He must have – oh, he must have went back from Memphis tapings on Saturdays or stuff. But anyway, he was there doing the TV and, and I was Louis Pellet trained me. So I actually got to, you know, ride with the owner and go to the TV station and while well, they were setting up the deals and everything, Lance was, he might, was he from there? Ohio? Cincinnati, uh, Lance? I don't, I don't think so. Uh, I'm not, you know what? I, had, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Uh, Cause he had a lot of connections there. I mean, he, Huh. And some reason he had already, he's the one who got him on the TV there. I wish I could find those tapes. I don't even know what the Federation was called. It was kind of like Memphis name, you know, just championship wrestling. Yeah. I really say like right, Memphis, yeah. I just said championship wrestling. So anyway, that's where I first met, met, uh, idol, but I've seen him. Do like, you, you have any stories of Lance? That's the, that's the only thing I have right there. Cause he never really came back when I was in Memphis. He never really came back in the, uh, you know, where we dressed at this TV station. I didn't see him come back there much, but he, uh, just being in Ohio, I was actually with him and Louis Tillette when they went into the uh, TV station to set up the deal and drop off the tape and everything. And then, uh, I'm trying to think of any other time I met him. No, just on camera, like the guru. I said, get this guy out of here too. Like he's like some nuts or something. Yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah. I didn't. I, 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 much. I just, I love, you know, Brian last and I've talked about this. I, I love the little nuances with Lance, you know, just, <laughs> yeah. you know, it could be a facial expression. It could be just a, mm, oh, you know, yeah. just a, you know, yeah. that would speak volumes, tell. you know? Yeah. I just knew he was a nice, nice guy. I could tell just from being, you know, how the, not even in the studio with Louis to at that time going into the, I think it was Dayton, Ohio TV station. We went in just listening to him talking and everything. I, I, I would love. I would, guy, be, I, then, I would be interested in seeing some of the tapes of that because I, I remember in the uh, gosh, oh, you know, yeah. I, I have a this amazing capacity to remember things that absolutely do not matter. Um, I remember yeah. per- getting an episode, uh, episode, an issue of Wrestling News that was only sold at the uh-huh. arenas, and I remember opening up and there was like this spread of all the all the Memphis guys working a show, I think, in Cincinnati, and I was like, what in the hell is this? You know, what what are they oh, doing yeah. there? 
Uh, so uh, yeah, yeah, I would, I, would, I, I, I don't think I've ever seen any any of the TV from that. So. Yeah, because there was, I mean, there was a lot of Memphis guys. I was talking to Cornette on that, his podcast, but he said it was all the uh, Florida guy, Alabama guys. But it really, the Tojo was there. Um, Tony Charles, Wayne Ferris had just came from Memphis. So that's before he ever went to Alabama. So it was like mostly the Memphis guys. I remember it was, uh, I, I remember Dundee, Buddy Dundee, Fuller. Dundee was on the, was on the card, I believe. Uh, the one, or at least the yeah. one that I saw that the photo spread that I saw. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't there on this one. This is like when they started the territory there and we just lived in Dayton and they were running like five shows a week or whatever. It lasted a couple months, but the, uh, Tojo was there. I remember. Cause he just sat in the dressing room. I didn't know him yet. When I was a guru, I got to know him and I worked with him. But this time I was a young kid and I thought he was like, he looked like he's mean as hell. He's sitting there smoking a cigar in the dressing room, not fucking <laughs> nobody. And I was like, Jesus, real little guy. And I was like, what the hell? It was all the shooters too. Tony Charles was sitting there. And I was like, I didn't even know how tough he was either. Tony Charles. Cause they don't sit there and yeah. tell you I'm a badass. You know, he just was telling me quit jumping around the ring when you're in the, cause I was used to amateur wrestling. You know, and I was still doing that kind of stuff, walking around. And that's when Buddy Fuller said, uh, "Just walk around in the ring like you're trying to place, trying to place to take a shit." And I was like, <laughs> "I said, don't jump around." I was like, "Okay, sounds kind of boring." <laughs> walk around like that. So they were all put, getting on me like, "Don't jump around the ring like that. Just walk around slowly." <laughs> right. So anyway, yeah, they were they were all up there though for that Ohio thing, Lance. But I don't remember him ever coming in too many locker rooms. I mean, yeah, Lance, yeah, even he, when he was there. I, I guess he, you know, I would sort of, I guess, hang out maybe some with Lawler, and so Lance I would probably oh, hang yeah. with Jerry because, because you know, the, Lance was so instrumental in getting oh, yeah. Jerry to start on TV. So it was almost like a father oh, yeah. figure right. to to Lawler. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. I called Lawler once. I was going to use him on one of my shows, and that's the last time I ever talked to him, like two thousand three or something. I can't remember when it was. Whenever he was with uh, what's her name, Cat. Stacy, whatever. Oh, Stacy. He was with yeah. her. So whatever, whatever year that was. When he first left WWE, whenever he quit there or whatever, whatever year yeah. that was. I called. I called him to work one of my shows, and he, he. Uh, it was weird because I hadn't seen him since God, what, fifteen years, Brian. And I figured he's not going to remember me. Maybe, and I go. I told him who I was. He goes, I was just watching the tape with you on it. Believe it or not, and I was like, you kidding me? And then he said, Yeah, you have to work. Uh, you have to. Uh, I'll work with me and her both. On, you know, one both of them on the um, show payday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, whatever. Did you, the, did you, uh, did you pass I, on that? Uh, some reason. I don't know why. Maybe he went back quick. Didn't he go back pretty quick to WWF? Before uh, I even, cause it, I called him way, yeah. way ahead. Okay. I called him like a okay. m- couple months before, at least. That's the only reason I think, cause I was going to do it. Definitely. It was in Arkansas, the show I had in Hot Springs, Arkansas. But then he started asking me where, you know, where's the town? How many people you draw there? I was like, oh my God, now he's going to steal my town. <laughs> I could tell the way he was asking me. You draw that many there? Said, oh, I, oh. I said, I said, I had 2,000 last time. He goes, what's the name of the place? What's the name of the building? I was like, yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's so the name funny. of the, the guy who the, owns the building? Yeah. Who who's the, who's yeah. The, yeah, who's the, <laughs> yeah. He was asking a lot and I just went, Oh God, no man! <laughs> Come on. Anyway, the uh, pretty funny. So yeah, staying an ultimate warrior. Oh God, that was a nightmare. So the yeah, the third time I was there in Memphis though was the uh, that was this was just I knew I wasn't gonna be there that long that time, but I barely even went because I knew <laughs> what happened last time, you know, and I heard it was even down more in '88 the territory, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. So that so that Mike Graham Mike Graham talked me into uh, going the Yankees, me and Bob Cook. And then I don't remember who we worked on TV. Some did you? I can't remember did, those guys' names. 
Did you work Mike Graham and Steve Kern a couple of times? Uh, all the time, yeah. Well, the, well, I meant in, in 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 Memphis though. Oh, in Memphis. Because they came, mm, they, they came in the same they, time we did. Okay, because they, they 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 made a couple of shots in '88. They were the, they were on the card the night Lawler beat Hennig for the yeah. '88 title. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll tell you what happened. See, they didn't have TV. That's a long story. But if you ever heard the one I said on the Kill Five, how I started my own federation, and then Graham and Currency and I was doing good, and then they decided they're going to start theirs, like, and we were kind of working together still. But then we ended up being in a, like a, a war <laughs> against each other after that. But at first uh, we were working together, so they didn't have TV anymore. So they, they said, Oh, uh, Kern was such good friends with Jarrett, Jerry Jarrett. So he said, uh, we'll send you and, uh, the Yankees up there and with Gordon Soley and they're going to let Jarrett's got to make a backdrop backdrop for us. It says Florida wrestling. And then you guys be like, you're the whole show. So we'll film Gordon and Gordon went with us and everything. Gordon Soley, he, uh, uh, stopped off at the Atlanta airport and took me in there. Me and Bob Cook and gave me vodka. And I don't even drink, and he got me pretty buzzed <laughs> that early in the morning. What time did that? What time does that Memphis TV start? Like nine or ten a.m. or something? I was uh, already Memphis feeling, TV. That would be eleven a.m. probably, or whatever. Maybe, it was. maybe maybe they eventually switched to ten a.m. by the time I got into it. But so yeah, I, I think we got there early because we had to act like we had to put his their drop the new backdrop in front of the. Uh, Memphis, whatever they had, and act like this is Florida wrestling. So the people oh. in Florida didn't even know. We taped it, taped it in Memphis, and we're sitting there, and Gordon's interviewing. And I said, whatever it was, I don't even remember what I said. And then Graham and Kern, we're going to get you or whatever. Blah, blah. So then uh, so then we did a TV match. It was weird. And then that's what they showed the whole show down here in Florida. They showed that like it was Florida wrestling. But it was okay. so, it was weird the way they did it. So then at the end we closed and with Gordon Soley like, yeah, this is you seen the Yankees tonight on, today on the TV show, blah 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 blah. They're coming later for Graham and Kern, and then and then Kern and Graham did the same thing. That's when they went there. They went okay. there again, same thing okay. like with, with Gordon, you know, sitting there in the backdrop that says Florida, all that same thing. I think they did it twice. But then Graham's the one that sent <clears throat> sent us there in '88, and I didn't want to go because I was like what's the money going to be by this time I was asking, you know, how much money is it going to be? And they were like, Oh, they'll pay you, you know, after they'll, they'll use your whole week too. So that way you don't just go there for TV only. Cause then there's no money for TV, you know? So then I was like, Oh God, I didn't want to go. Cause we had nothing. I mean, no connections, nothing with nobody up there. And then when we got there, it was full of the dressing room was packed full of guys. I mean, like, uh, what was the names? Uh, What's his name? Was there Raven, Scotty, whatever his name? Scott, then, oh yeah, uh, Scotty, Scotty the body. Yeah, I think he was working that gimmick. Yeah, he he was there. I didn't know him. He was there. Nobody did then. He he was there. The uh, Max Payne, that big guy. Yeah, I don't know what the name yeah. he was using up there. Yeah. He was there. Pat, Pat Tanaka and Paul Diamond. That was full. The it wasn't even nowhere to sit. I mean, and I kept my mask on because uh, like wrestling too or Mel Moskris, you know. <laughs> <laughs> because I had just left hey, don't even don't even get me started about don't even get me started about male maskers. I know, I know, it was really me. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> oh, that, was, anyway that was you yeah. back in back in nineteen seventy nine. <laughs> yeah, that was me. I sucked my stomach. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the uh, tiptoeing around the ring, but the uh, anyway, I'm sitting there with the mask on because I felt like, oh my god, I left here, and they wanted me to come back, and I, no, it's embarrassing. I don't have to see Lawler and Jarrett and everything, so I kept my mask on in the dress room. 
And Bob Cook took his off in Ireland. I was like, shit. And everybody's looking at me like, what the hell's the matter with this guy? He's not wrestling too or whatever. So then I wouldn't take it off. I was thinking, if Lawler sees me, he's going to be like, oh, man, I can't believe he's left. And but then everybody did. I didn't even realize. And so many people probably walked out of there. Oh, and then he, I took, yeah, I didn't even take it off. I, I, I guess grandma already told him that our names, you know. And he seen Bob <laughs> Cook had his mask off. And he goes, hey, Jerry, how you doing? I had the mask on, you know. Lawler said that, and I said, oh, okay, I can take it off. He's not mad. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, yeah, they were, I remember Pat Tanaka was like, oh, I knew him from his dad was Duke Kamoka down here, you know, and he was like, oh, man, I didn't know it was you. And then, uh, so we were some guys, I don't remember their names, some TV guys, you know, and had a pretty good match and everything. And then, uh, so then the next night, no, that's right, because nobody would give us a ride. Scott Steiner was there, I remember, because they were all thinking we were coming to take their spot. We were just going to be there oh, a week, but they, they were like, everybody was like worried, like, oh my God, they're going to come take our spot now. So nobody would even talk to us like or anything. And then, cause I didn't know really any of those guys hardly, even though what's Max that? Payne was a new, uh, what you call it? A young boy in new Japan. Yeah. Cause he didn't know me anymore. Um, so then we had to go to, I told that story. We had to go to buddy Wayne's house. Because oh. nobody would give us a ride. <laughs> nobody would give us a ride. So we had to sit there. It seemed like oh, with, 20 with days, buddy? but it was like a few hours. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it seemed yeah. like a few. Yeah. It was like yeah. a real and country, buddy, country house. Yeah, Buddy told huh? you everything that was possibly wrong with the business. <laughs> no, how, he didn't even talk. Oh, did he? Really? He, did, wow. he just left some little kids in there. Some little kids. I don't know whose kids they were. Kept picking on us the whole time. and. We were wanting to watch the TV show, and, and the kid kept changing the channel. We were wanting to see the you know the show we just did. I guess it aired like right almost the same time, right? Or after the – was it live? Because we'd well, seen the end the, of it, I remember. Yeah, the Memphis – I don't yeah, remember Memphis, how it worked. Yeah, the Memphis show was live. <laughs> we were trying to watch it, though, and this, these kids kept changing it and picking on us and stuff. And then Buddy, I don't know where the hell he went. He went in there somewhere sleeping probably or something. But anyway, he said, my son will come take you. And these guys oh. ain't giving you a ride for them, can we? He was a nice guy to me. I don't know. Yeah, I knew buddy. him from before when he was night nightmare. But the yeah. Uh, yeah, he gave us a ride finally to Nashville, and then we worked the whole territory. I just found a, a groupie to give us a ride for most of the places. One of the listeners wrote in, wrote me, and said that I know who that girl was, the Wendy's girl. <laughs> she was. I led, I was had a crush on her, and she showed me you guys' picture way back then. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. You remember this? What a coincidence. The girl pop, popped up. I'm the Wendy's girl. I bought your oh, Wendy's food for no. you. Gave you rides everywhere. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, the, I the Scott boys. Are, I, remember. At, well, I remember like uh, I remember hearing about Scott Snyder having some uh, arena rat who gave him like actually bought him a car. And then I think oh, he left, yeah. the, he left the territory. He left the territory. With us. Oh, He's yeah, like, oh, great. Thanks. See you later. <laughs> Yeah, Jake showed me, man. He treated girls horrible. Jake, he's Jake the Snake. He, uh, I remember one one time a girl had a big, like an ounce of weed, and he asked her for a pitch of it or whatever, and then she had it in the bag. He took the whole thing and drove off and well, didn't never give her back either. I was like, man. Well, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm, sure he's, I'm sure he's made amends now as part of Step Oh, nine. yeah, of course. Yes, yes. Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that was my first taste of uh, seeing the way they treat them. Those girls bring them all kinds of cookies and stuff every time they go to like food. And some of them did look like rats, but I called mine uh, groupies because they, they didn't. I didn't try to go with the ones that were <laughs> the real rat, you know, with whiskers yeah. and everything. <laughs> oh, lordy, lordy. Oh, anyway. well, 
Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, I was always in character. Like when, it, when you know, I had, I had a pretty serious girlfriend back then, and whenever the rats oh, would come okay. up to me, I'd be, like, I'd be like, "Please, I wouldn't let you wash my dishes. I wouldn't let you sweep my floor, oh, let geez. alone." Yeah, they would, man. Oh, man. I, they would hate. Oh man, they hated me. Oh, yeah, but they did. But, but I was just I like, was, uh, yeah. you know, at that point, I just, I was like, man, I'm not, I'm not it. And really, I think the quality of the, yeah. Uh, yeah. Out by that at that point i know yeah, uh, I, yeah I don't know what they look like but <laughs> uh well hey jerry i man, i i've really enjoyed this uh because you've told me some things that i had no idea about the memphis locker room just when you think you've heard everything you know you always learn something new when you talk to a veteran who really worked in every great territory of the 80s and uh and then became a promoter himself so he's worked with everybody so really appreciate you coming by today jerry and sharing these uh these wonderful little gems with us oh uh, jerry this is universal heartthrob austin idol 242 pounds las vegas nevada the women's pet in the men's regret you're laughing at the idol Okay, Jerry, go ahead and tell me. Um, I'm Jerry, yeah, okay. Get out of here. I don't, I don't like you that good anymore. All right, I appreciate it, Scott. Yeah, hey, thank man. Thank you very much for everything. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for those of you who I mentioned the T-shirt earlier, we still have the exclusive Don't Drink the Piss T-shirt uh, that is available at tinyurl.com slash goldenboyt. 100% of the profits go straight to Jerry's GoFundMe account. If you'd rather make a direct donation to Jerry, you can do so at tinyurl.com slash GoFundGoldenBoy. Yeah, Scott, I just want to thank you. And Brian Last and all the listeners for all the help they've been giving me. And can't tell you, thank you enough, Travis Heckle, all the fine art he's been doing and the shirts. Like I said before, I can't wait to see Jake's response, Jake the Snake, if these fans really do wear this shirt at the <laughs> convention he's going to be at. Because hopefully he'll dig in his pocket and start paying back some of the tons of money he owes me. But again... That's beside the point, but that's never going to happen unless I dream it. But again, thank you very much. Thank you very much for everything, you guys. I really appreciate it. That was a great time reminiscing about all these great stories from Memphis, one of the best ter territories ever. And thanks again. Yeah, thank you, Jerry. Uh, our pleasure, man. And anything else we can do to help, just let us know. You can still get the T-shirts, like I said, at tinyurl.com slash goldenboyt. Right now, they're only $19.97. I'm actually going to extend this special uh, one more day. Actually, lower than that, $19.79. In honor of the first time I went to the Mid-South Coliseum and saw Mill Mascaras do a stretcher job for Jerry Lawler and Jackie Fargo. Just going to reiterate that point once again. And also have special $3.79 shipping for uh, the next few days. So uh, take advantage of that. Get yourself a Jerry Gray t-shirt and also help him out uh, in his ongoing fight with cancer. All right. We'll be back right uh, after this with more Kentucky Fried Wrestling. Championship Wrestling Monday night with a full card lined up at regular prices, including a $3 general admission. You'll see J.D. Costello's triple challenge for $5,000 to be thrown to the crowd. An international kendo stick lumberjack match with Sato and Goto against Jared and Tanaka. You'll be seeing the international title against the Southern heavyweight title when Jerry Lawler meets Bam Bam Bigelow with the two titles at stake. Be there Monday night. Well, I think there was something for everyone in the entire family on today's show. 
Just a quick note that Kentucky Fried Wrestling is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. You can follow me on Twitter at Trav Scott Bowden and on Facebook at Kentucky Fried Wrestling. And don't worry about following Brian, as that road could only lead to the Admiral Bimbo. For Brian Last, this is Scott Bowden. We'll see you next week on Kentucky Fried Wrestling. The announcers on this program are selected and paid by parties other than this station, namely the promoters of Championship Wrestling. <laughs>